Hello, everyone. I am yours truly, Lupe, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to ENN 28 Exiles Network News. This is your favorite entertainment news podcast where a panel of film exiles dissect, discuss, and debate the week's sizzling, piping hot entertainment news topics in typical exiles fashion. So that means there's going to be like no filter, no restraint, no biases, just the unbridled truth. We're here as your faithful companions to entertain you through this time of social distancing. So we hope you guys are doing okay, you're staying safe, and we hope that, you know, everything is cool. Today I am joined by my brothers in arms, my homies, my co-pilots on this journey into the cinematic wasteland, fellow film exiles, Christian and Paul. Hey, Christian, how are you doing? What's going on, man? I hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy. I hope your families are all healthy. That's really what's more important, you know, throughout this entire thing. And, uh, hey, from a selfish standpoint, I hope the three of us are helping everybody out there get through all this with some cool, you know, things to talk about. True, true. And, hey, Paul, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, no complaints. You know, uh, luckily enough, uh, we've, we've stayed safe. Uh, my family stayed safe. My friends have stayed safe. My wife and I are still busy working. My daughter's doing well. Um, and. To be honest, I'm I'm enjoying this lower pace of life. We're saving money. We're learning to cook again. We're uh, spending more time with the family, getting a little fresh air now that the weather's uh, warming up a little bit here. And uh, you know, I can't complain. You know, there's some positives to be taken from all this. Yeah, silver linings, silver linings. Okay, so this is in 28. We're we're racking them up. We're you know, next thing time is going to pass and it's going to be in in 1,000. I can't wait for that. <laughs> so we're marching forward, onward soldiers, deeper into the wastelands, forward ever, backward never. So here's our rundown for this week. We're going to start uh, with a little roundtable discussion of what we've been watching and doing and our recommendations or warnings. Uh, then we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 84, a little bit of an update. Uh, Peg Jenkins has some comments. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about... Christopher Nolan's, uh, you know, new epic thriller, Tenet, uh, and what's going on with that. Uh, the release date is coming up pretty soon. We're going to have some uh, Star Wars updates. Taika Waititi has officially been announced as a director. Also, there's a female-centric uh, Star Wars movie that's in the works. Then we're going to talk about all the drama with The Last of Us 2. It's had such a torrid... Uh, trek to the finish line and we're going to talk about the controversy and drama it's been going through and we'll finish up with uh, some talk about parts of the caribbean from disney plus we're going to talk about uh hercules uh reboot as well and uh national treasure as well okay so uh let's do that rundown for the cardio guys what have you been up to uh, what have you been entertaining yourself with, whether it's films or streaming? Uh, let's start with with Paul. What What's up? All right. Well, um, you know, as I said, my, my wife and I are still lucky enough uh, to be working, so I haven't had a ton of free time, uh, more than usual. But I guess on the plus side, we're not commuting. We're not uh, running my daughter around to classes and things like that. So we do have a little bit of extra time. And, uh, so for my wife and I, we've been watching Ozark. That was uh, one that, you know, we'd avoided, we just, you know, never had a real strong incentive to watch. And we finally started watching that. We just finished season one. 
we are on to season two, and and I got to say that that's a great show. Um, it it, re- it reminds me of my my feelings towards Breaking Bad, and in, in that uh, you know the subject matter just never interested me, no matter how many times people told me to watch it. And when I finally gave it a chance, I loved it. Same thing with this one. I've had this one recommended to me a number of times. Finally decided, let's just give this a try. And uh, it's it's a great show. It's really good. So I highly recommend it if you're looking for a series and haven't seen Ozark. Um, that's what's been keeping my wife and I busy. Uh, aside from that, in order to try and keep my daughter entertained, um, we've been doing some themed uh, movie days. And um, we started this a while back, actually. Our first one we did with a... Um, because we're well, long story, I'll, I'll try and condense this. We're we're we always go to Florida in the summer. We do our annual Disney trip, and it's looking unlikely that we're going to get to go. And my daughter was pretty disappointed that um, you know the writing's kind of on the wall that we're going to have to cancel it. So what we've been doing is instead we've been kind of doing Disney at home um, days, and uh, and so we'll, what we'll do is we'll pick a pick a Disney movie, and then pick uh, a theme that goes with it. So for example, we watch Coco. And then we picked some recipes we liked uh, or mock recipes from uh, restaurants at the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot. And we'll listen to, you know, we'll, we'll listen to mariachi music and, and cook our mm-hmm. cook our recipes and uh, maybe do like, um, you know, they've got live uh, walkthrough tours on YouTube. So you can put on like the uh, the walkthrough of tourist locations on YouTube while you're cooking. And then when we're done, we'll go watch, uh, we watch Coco right down down in the theater. So that was one day we did the same thing with, um, with Paris and Ratatouille. And then we've done, a, we've done a couple other since I'm trying to think what, uh, what they were. Oh, we did Aladdin and we did a Morocco theme. So we did, you know, sort of based it on, um, the Morocco pavilion. Um, I'm sure there's something else we've done in there too. And then most recently we did a Shrek marathon. So we watched all four Shrek movies and picked recipes from, uh, from Shrek. We reproduced dishes from the movie. So we made, you know, parfaits for breakfast and had waffles, for dinner and uh, and that kind of stuff. So and my daughter decorates the the place. She you know she goes online and she prints out um, you know signs for far far away or the Poison Apple Pub or things like that. And oh the other one we did was um, my daughter uh, has always wanted to go to the VIP movie theater here. So uh, it's 19 plus. They have a bar. They bring you you know they bring your food to your seats. They serve alcohol. So of course she can't do that. So she's been wanting. She's been you know envious for for a couple of years now. So my wife did a, a VIP night at home for us. So we, we actually made menus and we made her mocktails and we had our own, you know, drinks and we cooked things that are on the, on the, uh, on the menu at the theater. And, uh, we watched, ended up watching Ace Ventura pet detective. So we've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of, uh, a lot of family days like that. So not necessarily new content, but trying to take existing stuff that we really enjoy and make it uh, a fun family event. And so that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then, as I say, other than that, Ozark, um, I've been, uh, we watched, as you guys know, we watched, uh, I watched Mortal Kombat on uh, you know, one of the few nights when I'm able to stay awake after everyone I falls asleep, watched uh, Mortal Kombat. I'm uh, looking forward to watching Justice League Dark, haven't gotten to it yet. And, uh, and I know we talked about this one a while back, but no one, I hear no one talking about it. So if you haven't watched it, go and watch Guns Akimbo. I want to talk to someone about this movie. I loved it. I, I feel like I'm the only one that's seen it. One of my friends listened to my recommendation. One of my friends has also seen it, and he he did recommend it. He said he said it was cool, and he said you know you <laughs> get out. It just has it just hasn't appealed to me, but I'll put it on the list and I'll try to get through. <laughs> I, I loved it. You know what? It was a breath of fresh air for me. I mean, it's ultra violent. It's not for everyone. It's it's. I if I had to classify it, I'd say it's a comedy, uh, like a dark satirical comedy. Um, 
you know, and I really enjoyed the hunt as well. Those have been the two that stick out in my mind that I've watched during the quarantine that, uh, um, that I've enjoyed the most. Um, so go watch it. I want to hear someone else's opinion on this. And I'm, I'm anxious to talk to somebody about this movie because I, I really enjoyed it, you know, so looking forward to hearing anyone, anyone, if you've watched it, reach out, let me know what you think. <laughs> please, please, somebody talk to me. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I I really I really love hearing uh, the family activities. You know, it's very creative. Uh, really love you know how you're incorporating your daughter and your love for film and entertainment. And, and th- those are some of like the best memories I have. Like as a child, like watching films that my my father you know loved and it being something that we could talk about. And I feel like sometimes parents get. Uh, to experience the joy of seeing those films for the first time or at least with the eyes of children from experiencing them with you know their young ones so you know i'm very uh i'm very you know happy to hear that you know your you guys are are you know having these fun family activities during this time uh christian what about you what have you been up to anything that you can recommend to us and let us in on well like uh like paul i've i've been lucky enough even though we've had serious cutbacks at work i am i am still working remotely and and some days have been stupid busy as we try to help our members and and our especially our construction guys navigate this pandemic and they need to keep construction sites clean and they need to make sure that as they're building roads whatever it may be they're working on infrastructure you know these guys need ppe as much as they can and they got to keep their faces covered and social distance and there's all kinds of crazy things so we're trying to help these guys navigate through all of that and get best practices together for the industry so that's fascinating uh, to be honest with you but you know it's it, after a while you're like oh you know it gets it gets a little tiring and i worry about these guys out there i mean they're they're out and about you know they're, they're essential workers so they have not had the opportunity you know they can't stay home good news is they're not laid off but they can't work from home either so you know it's a little tough but I won't go into a ton of details with this. You guys already know that, you know, I suffer from depression and and suicidal thoughts. So this pandemic on a personal level has been very hard. Uh, The last couple of weeks to a month, I've really, I think I've turned inward and I've kind of withdrawn a lot. I've withdrawn a lot from uh, social media, things like that. So I'm trying to open myself up a little bit. Uh, I'm an amateur musician. So I had some guys uh, start over the last week. We've been recording at night over WhatsApp and a couple other things. And we've been doing that. Yeah, so I've been, I've recorded a couple guitar tracks. I, I did uh, two vocal tracks. Uh, I did one just last night, and I'm going to do it again this weekend. I haven't played guitar in about four weeks, so it was really important for me to start playing guitar again, um, and it felt really good to get back into that, and it, it was a lot of fun. So I hope I can. I got to, I got to learn a couple more songs, and it's also inspired me to to check out a couple of music movies, which I do have to take a look at. There was that movie about the Beatles recently uh, that I didn't watch yet. Uh, was it yesterday? I can't remember the name of it, but it's um, it's in yeah, my something queue. like a yesterday, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to watch that. Um, uh, and and then there were the two, of course, the big movies about Queen, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, and then the movie, uh, with uh, Taron Egerton. That I think I thought both of those were. I loved them. So yeah, it was, it was good. I finally caught up with them and I was really happy I did. So, you know, so I'm doing stuff also before I, before I say anything new, um, our sister podcast, you know, the exiles network has pulled me into a couple of movies recently to record with. And it's been cool to rewatch some of these movies with my wife. Cause I got to rewatch them before we do a pod. So mm-hmm. we recently did man of steel. We did Titanic. 
uh, it was just so cool to jump back into a couple movies that I haven't seen in a while. And that's a nice way, like, you, you know, uh, Paul was talking about, you know, enjoying movies with his family again. Like, Joanna would be like, hey, you know, I haven't seen that in a while either, so let's watch it together. And it was just, yeah, it's nice to do that together. Um, so as far as for anything new, I, I don't know if you guys are into this, but I would recommend it for anybody out there listening to us as well. Uh, I've recently started watching on Hulu. It's a miniseries called Mrs. America. And you guys know me. I love history. I'm all into the 60s, the 70s. I love political history. And this star is Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne, James Marsden, Elizabeth Banks. It's got a great cast. And it's all about the effort to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and especially the backlash that Phyllis Schlafly, who was a very, very controversial conservative figure in American politics for a long time. She passed away in 2016 at the ripe old age of 92. Uh, and she was extremely close minded. However, she was very passionate about her beliefs and she fought for conservative causes, whether you agreed with her or not. I think you had to applaud her because she always stuck to her guns. And of course, while this is a show that takes some artistic license, it has made me after every episode go out and start Googling the history a lot more. And it is a fascinating time in our history. So if you guys are into that stuff, I can't recommend enough checking out Mrs. America. I really have been very impressed with that show. And I'll end with this, Lupe. You will be proud. Next up in my queue, and this is because of you, is Black Sales. Hey! <laughs> yeah, you know what? That one got bumped up my list because of Lupe, too. So yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you, that one. Man. Oh, oh, and as a Star Wars fan. I was going to say. I, Clone fucking yes. Wars Season 7. Holy shit. Oh the last four episodes were great. God, the last four episodes were good. The first four episodes were okay. The middle we could ignore. The last four, oh my God, whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, you have to watch the last four episodes. That is what Star Wars is all about. That's what we all hoped Star Wars would be from the time of the original trilogy. It's been, those four episodes were fantastic, so I can't recommend them enough either. Ooh, oh, wow. You guys have been putting in work. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I got I got to ask you, um, Man of Steel, as someone who's who's you know been more in line with the Marvel Cinematic ever mm-hmm. since this you know sort of golden age, your rewatch of Man of Steel, like Paul and I, we've watched Man of Steel like a hundred times, <laughs> like. But um, how did you find your rewatch of Man of Steel? When was the last time you watched it before this? It's probably been pushing two years since I've seen it. Um, not quite two years, but it's been pushing two years. I do have the movie on Blu-ray. Superman is my wife's favorite comic book character. So that anything Superman must have a space in our house. It just has to have a space in our house. And I really – I enjoyed it when I first saw it. I enjoyed it again. First of all, Hans Simmer is a beast. He is a beast. His yeah. score is, is touching. Oh, it's godly. It's touching. It's emotional. It brings you up when it's supposed to bring you up. It makes you sad when it's supposed to make mm-hmm. you sad. We said this, I think, on a pod 15 episodes ago. I always felt that Man of Steel was a Superman for our post 9-11 paranoid culture and, you know, really asked us how, you know, where Superman would fit. Would he even feel comfortable in our society today? And I really, really, to me, I said it in the pod and, and we'll, I, th- I don't think it's released yet, yet uh, at this time when we record this. But I always see in that movie, I see Superman as Clark. I don't even call him Superman and he's not Kal-El because Kal-El is a man from a dying world, a dead world. It's already gone. Superman is the symbol that wears the S. That's all. and has mm-hmm. a cape. But Clark is who he is as a man. 
That's who he chooses to be, the man that could potentially change the world with his actions. And that, to me, has always been the beauty of Man of Steel. Um, now on my whatever fifth, sixth rewash, whatever it is, I, I, I enjoyed it probably as much as I did the first time. And, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've always appreciated Man of Steel. It's, it's a different movie than the Marvel Universe. And guess what, man? You and I have said this before. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a very beautiful movie. There's parts, there's a couple things I dislike. I still am not a huge fan of General Zod and there's a couple other, but the story of Clark himself to mm-hmm. me is just such a beautiful journey from beginning to end and him becoming that Superman character. And I'll end here on saying that last scene where it's between him and Lois, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, she says, welcome to the planet and he smiles. Oh, that, that's one of the best endings ever. Oh, me. it's great. It's great. It, it, it just... You, you, with that, you see, like, if we had seen more of Superman and this version of Superman in years forward after this, it would have been a different Superman than we would have been used to before. And I, and I think it was probably the one that maybe we, we needed for a little while there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree any more. So um, <laughs> for me, I haven't been working, so I've, I've had a lot more time. Um, although I, I've been trying to, you know, keep busy with other things and just, you know have structure in my day and, and, you know, pick up like more writing, making sure that, you know, I'm exercising and, you know, stay mentally healthy and fit. But I've been watching a lot of TV series that, um, that I didn't have time previously to watch. So, um, I watched devs, which, so devs, devs, it's a sci-fi series by Alex Garland. It ran for eight episodes on FX so it's now on Hulu. Um, and <clears throat> it was episodic. It was weekly. But what I do these days is I don't watch anything episodically. Uh, I, I just, I can't do it anymore. Um, I wait until it's over and then I binge it. So I waited until the last episode and I binge it. And guys, I have a review out on it, so I don't need to speak more about it. But it immediately became one of my top five uh, series that I've ever seen. Like, it's that good. Nice. It is- it is it's it's mind it's mind blowing. We all know Alex Garland from obviously X Machina, which everyone who sees it knows about. It, say it's a masterpiece. Um, he was the ghost director for Dread, the Dread <laughs> movie that people a lot of people had no idea that you know they brought him in to you know work on it because they were having problems. And then also he did Annihilation, I which like is for, miss, for people it's like a cult classic. Some people absolutely love it. Some people don't know. I actually don't really love Annihilation, to be sincere. But this I'm one... No, Dread I like. I like Dread. Dread, Dread I love. Yeah, Annihilation, Dread I, I was like. a little underwhelmed by. Yeah. Yeah. I, Annihilation, I just I just didn't get it. It just didn't speak to me. Um, X Machina is, 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 is fantastic. So this one is... um I have a review. So if you want to know my thoughts about it, why I think it's one of the five best series ever made, um, go watch it. Um, then I watched Westworld. And oh boy! Um, I'm going to review for Westworld as well so you guys can hear my thoughts, but this is what I'll say. Westworld was, used to be one of my, like, top 10 series, like, of all time. Like, um, it was, it was, it was really good because what you basically had was you had what Christopher Nolan does in terms of mind-bending sci-fi, you know, intellectual, big brain sci-fi. Basically, it was a TV show doing that. Period. That's exactly what it is. Because obviously it's created and written by his brother, Jonathan Nolan, and his and his wife. Um, and obviously, Chris, 
Chris Nolan has worked works with Jonathan Nolan. So it's it's they have the same sensibilities, the same taste, the same you know language. Um, and so imagine if Christopher Nolan made a TV series. That's what Westworld was. So saying it's one of it was one of the best ever is not hyperbole. It's like it's 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 valid. Um, obviously, it's, it, it's not for everyone because not everyone likes you know complex, um, sometimes hard to difficult, hard to follow sci-fi. But then what has happened in season three is that so season one and season two were were that way. If you love it, you absolutely love it. But it got some backlash because the bigger things become, the more money is put into them, the more expectations, the more they're expected to have mass appeal. And if you're bringing a notary, very personal voice to it, then you get all the stuff that we are always dealing with. And we always talk about with these, with these films and with these properties. So they changed season three. And season three turned into a Terminator movie. Like, mm. it went from something intellectual to, like, all our action, ninja robots, explosions. <laughs> like, I swear. I was watching those, like, what the hell is going on? It's actually, like, pretty darn good. It's probably, like, the best Terminator movie ever made. But <laughs> it's such a hard left. Yeah. And it's definitely not as good as what it was. And the sad thing about it is that the people who were saying that it was like too complex and too full of itself and too pretentious and this and that don't like what it's become. Right. So that's what happens with a lot of these properties. And it's really sad. You have a situation where you have something that appeals to a core group of people. It's a hate it or love it type of thing. Then the people behind it, the producers, studio execs, push the creators and and force them and twist their arms into making it have more mass appeal. So they take a hard left and make it into something more mass marketable. And then the people who are saying they didn't like what it was before end up not liking what it is. We we know we know that story fits into <laughs> so many different franchises. Um but That's true. um now I'm watching an upload. I, I watched a, a season of Archer, um, and now I'm watching upload. Um, and I just <laughs> Archer's <started>. funny. <laughs> yeah, Archer. You know, it's so I've been watching it like a bunch of really uh, brainy sci-fi. So I was like, you know what? Time to watch something dumb and stupid. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just watch an entire season of Archer. And anyone who's seen Archer, it's some of the dumbest. Just it's just. It's hilarious, just outlandish. Yeah. Um, like it's just Archer is just something else. Um, so that was very easy to watch and just a breeze, a breeze to to go through. Um, yeah, and then I just started upload today. I'm still on episode one. It's not um the greatest thing ever. It's another sci-fi property. This one's a little bit more lighthearted. It's in a set in a future world where in the afterlife, they can upload your consciousness to a uh, virtual world. Mm. So it's basically like heaven. Mm. So you can live in that virtual world. Your your consciousness lives in that virtual world forever. At least that's the the proposition. If you you know, we can have a philosophical debate of whether the human soul can be written in code um, in a program or if that essence is something. So I, I guess those are some of the things that's going to make you think about if it's going to go deeper, but it's more of a comedy. So I'm not sure how deep and how serious they're going to get with it. Um, what made devs so special is that they were really serious with it and they were explaining it with like quantum physics theories, theories. I was 
like looking like what is going on? <laughs> like devs really went in. So anyway, I've talked for quite a while. That's okay. that's what I've been doing. So in the next couple of days, also just in my personal life, I'm gonna you know try to get into more fitness things. I haven't been running. Um, I've been doing a lot of like home workouts in terms of like body workouts and that sort of thing. So Strange I'm gonna start. World, actually, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm <laughs> gonna start actually running. Um, because I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I feel like. I don't know. I just need to. <laughs> but so so that, that's what we've been up to, each and every one of us. And uh, now let's get into our, into our topics. So we've picked a couple of topics that that interest us, and we're just gonna um, we're gonna you know lead the discussions on those. So I'm I, I want I really want to talk about uh, the Wonder Woman eighty four update and Tenet. So let's start with Wonder Woman eighty four. An article. Um, on the film was published in Toho Film, and uh, Patty Jenkins had, you know, uh, some comments on it, and she had some information, on some interesting information. So, first off, we know the movie has been postponed to August 14. I think even with pessimistic, with a pessimistic outlook, that is a safe date for the movie to to launch. Even the most pessimistic out, outlooks. I think by that time, theaters will definitely be open. I'm not 100% sure what consumer confidence would be like in terms mm. of going out and risking health. But, um, I mean, what are you going to do? You're, you you can't push it till, you know, forever. Like, they're just going to have to put it out there and um, cut their losses, so to speak. I don't think that any movies that come out this year are going to do as well as they could have. Um, that's just that's just going to be something we're all going to have to deal with. Um, but I feel like blockbusters like these can also attract people into theaters. And the more people come into theaters, the more people who sat on the sidelines will be confident. Okay, all these people went to the theaters and there hasn't been an explosion of infections or whatever. All right, so when the next big movie comes out, I'll go. And then that'll build up um, until we get back to to normal levels of consumer confidence. So what did Patty Jenkins have to say in particular? She said, one, that uh, they've conjured up a spinoff for uh, the Wonder Woman, you know, kind of this little pocket world, and they're going to make a, an Amazon's movie. Uh, they already have, like, a story idea. She's she's written it with Jeff Johns. Um she says she doesn't want to direct it, uh, but she definitely wants to produce it. So, um, I mean, my thoughts on that are that um, I think it's it's quite sad that Warner Brothers is greenlighting um, Amazon spinoff movies and Atlantis spinoff movies when we don't have a solid foundation for a Superman movie. All we're hearing are loose uh unsubstantiated rumors and and we don't know if Henry Cavill is Superman I mean he's most likely not Superman to be honest we that's actually like we know this to be sincere apart from if there's a huge change of heart um you know we don't have that we don't have a Green Lanterns movie we're getting something that's going to be basically on TV which is not in the same realm as as the movies in the big theaters um on the biggest stage possible uh, with the event movies um so I, I just I just think it's it's it points to DC really not not knowing what they're doing and just 
throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks and them not really knowing how to exploit this IP and this franchise to its maximum potential uh, because um, they, it seems like they, they, they're following critical appraisal and they're following um, box office instead of following what the history of the comics are and, and how beautiful and that tapestry can be when you build this, you know, cohesive, wonderful, incredible universe with all the stories that interweave and this, these characters in this universe. Um, so to me, it's, it's, it's very strange. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that just puzzles me. And I, and it, to me, it points to, um, the incompetence that they have, that they have shown. Um, also, she talked, the one that got some headlines was that she talked about the modus operandi and the status quo of, of what uh, DC movies should be like versus Marvel. And this is her exact quote. She said, I love that, you know, to me, that's what superheroes always were. I think the exception to that was that Marvel was very successful in making a shared universe. But that certainly shouldn't be the status quo. I think you should look at the comics. There is a wide variety of comics, and their appearance, tone, and world are radically different. And they don't always inevitably come together. Sometimes they do. That's a lot of fun. And that's it. But many times they have their own tour. I'm excited about DC, and frankly, Marvel is doing it a little bit more now, too, with some of the tone of Thor Ragnarok and Black Widow and Doctor Strange. They feel very different in tone. But I love that that DC thing. I've always thought that's a wonderful thing. They were all very different. And my comments on this are that I think because she didn't grow up reading comic books, she doesn't really know what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> some of what she's saying is true, but there's double speak and she's stumbling over herself. And to me, Patty Jenkins, a lot of times when she talks, she sounds like a politician. She's like really good at marketing and selling things and painting things and like, oh, this is what we're doing. This is the reason why it's wonderful. Um, and I'm just not buying it as a comic book uh, reader and someone who grew up you know, reading and loving these these things and growing up with this and just hoping that in, in cinema, uh, these properties can grow along with me. Um, it, it's very, very disappointing for anyone to say that DC should not have a shared cinematic universe. And her point about the comics is just, it's so misguided and it's just, it's emblematic of someone who doesn't read comics because we all know the comics that we bought they were all in the same universe, and a lot of times they led towards Justice League events. That's just that's what makes DC DC and Marvel Marvel. Yes, there are standalone uh, graphic novels in their own pocket universe and their own Elseworld uh, tales, but there was always the cohesive universe. That's a staple of comics. So. To make that comparison, it's just it's a false comparison. It's it's false information, and she also um, uh, alluded to to Marvel's shared uh, universe as an exception. It isn't an exception. It's just it's the way that things should be. And Marvel does not have a monopoly on a shared universe. Star Wars has a shared universe. Um, Harry Potter. Has a shared. There, there are a lot of properties, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. There are a lot of properties that have shared 
universe is. Lord of the Rings has a shared universe. It's Fox Marvel is is not. Yeah, no, Marvel is not is not the the sole proprietor of everything that a shared universe is. They they got the idea to do it from the way comic books work. And if DC doesn't do it, they're not doing what the comics do. That's just it. It's just that simple. If you're talking about how they should be different, you could talk about it in individual style and house style. And as far as I'm concerned, me personally, I don't see a huge difference between Thor Ragnarok, Black Widow, and Doctor Strange. There are differences because there are differences in all of them. Iron Man is not the exact same movie as Avengers, and Avengers is not the exact same movie as Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel is the exact same movie as Captain America, the first Avenger. But there is a cohesive style. When you see a Marvel movie, you know it's a Marvel movie. They may push the envelope a little bit more towards maybe the comedic side. They One might be a little bit more serious, but they're all going along the same track of a house style. So um, I just think, like, I have so many problems with her comic, with her comments. And just to wrap up, I think that um, I, I'm just, I'm really, really upset and depressed and and disappointed in the state of DC because you have people who have a lot of influence and a lot of say, and they don't really know what they're talking about. And they don't have a love and, and appreciation for DC as a whole. They may have it for their little pocket of the little thing they're doing, but in my opinion, it, they don't have a love for for the whole. I'm a Superman fan, but I want to see Green Lantern on the biggest stage with Superman as well. I want to see the Justice League. I want to see Wonder Woman and Cyborg. And, and I want to see the Justice League dark characters, you know? Like, if you love DC, you love all of them. It's just, you're not just focused on your love for just one particular character. But anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, tell me if I'm crazy, if I'm going too far. If you agree with me, that's fine. If you don't, um, but I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. So, Christian, uh, starts off. What do you think? Yeah, you, you you talked about a lot there. There was a lot of good stuff, um, and I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. Um, you know, look, hey, as an MCU fan, even though I do personally see the differences between a lot of the movies in CM in the MCU, the reality is they do have a style. And they have a similar style, and they exist in the same universe, whatever you want to call it, the 616 universe. And so it makes sense that they would feel similar, and, and they probably should push the envelope a little more than they do, but they don't. Um, but they have a style that works. They have a business plan that works, all that. I'll start with this. I really like Wonder Woman 1. I do. Uh, that No Man's Land scene is probably one of the most beautiful moments in comic book movies ever. It's beautiful. Uh, very few issues from what we've seen with Wonder Woman 84 so far, outside of them screaming at us over and over again that, hey, by the way, this is 80s. It's 80s. It's 80s. Outside of them doing that over and over again, uh, I really don't have too much of an issue with what they're doing. Patty says she has an arc for Diana. That's cool. Uh, the Amazons movie is interesting. I know Jeff John's very divisive history within the DCEU, so I don't know for some of the fan base if that's welcome news or not, considering that he's, uh, I guess, had some of the story treatment for that, pitched the story. But I think the biggest issue here goes back to what Lupe just said. They don't know how to use the IP that they have. When they've done kind of like little trilogies here and there, and they, I shouldn't even say little trilogies because the Nolan trilogy was a massive trilogy and it was fucking fantastic. They seem to do fine. But to try to do this connected universe with, you know, whatever, Green Lantern and, do it, and, and trying to bring the Justice League together, that's when they fail. 
they're falling back on Batman yet again, and that's proving to be divisive. They have zero idea what to do with Superman. And like I said before, I feel that they had a course that they can follow. It's good to expand the universe. Marvel made us fall in love with a talking fucking tree. And we like most people like characters such as Black Panther and Scarlet Witch, and they are going to be front and center now moving into phase four and phase five. That's fantastic. But guess what? They had a plan and they had a core to begin with. And DC, no, it's the scattershot shotgun approach, and they have no idea where to go. And now that I've heard you talk and I've reread everything from Jenkins, it didn't seem like that at first glance, but now that I'm rereading the article when you were talking, it does seem like a little bit of doublespeak. Look, I like her a lot, but she's got a golden goose here, and there's really no reason for her to get away from it. And everything that we're seeing here just reinforces, once again, there's no plan, there's no direction, and they don't necessarily know how to run a cinematic universe. I'm an MCU fan telling you right now that not everything needs to be fucking marvelized. It doesn't. And people and my fellow MCU stands have to stop screaming for that. They have to stop. Because if everything becomes one thing, it ceases to be special. It just all gets lumped into one big corporate glob, if that's the right word. But having a lo- at least a loosely connected universe makes sense. Makes sense. And then you could still have the standalones like Logan or Joker having their place in there as well. The DCU should have differences than the MCU. Do their thing. Who cares? But give us some sort of direction. This loosely connected, but no, it's not connected garbage isn't working. And it does speak to what you said, Lupe. It feels like you're dealing with people that don't, they weren't a fan of this material. You know, maybe, maybe even Jeff Johns was a fan of the material, but look what he tried to do. You know, he tried, he went about it the wrong way. It, it, but Jenkins and some of the other people you had, Emmerich was the head of WWE for a long time. They, they just don't, when you don't love the material, it shows. Bash mm-hmm. Feige all you want and people do. And guess what? If you want to do that, knock yourself out. Go ahead. I'm not going to have a fight with somebody who wants to bash him. I like what he's done. Other people don't. He loves the material. He loved the X-Men. He was involved with X-Men 1 with Donner and her company. Shula Donner, I'm sorry, and her company. The guy loves the material. When you have people at the top that love the material, it shows. It's showing that they have people here that don't love the material. So, I don't know. It makes me sad as a comic fan, man, because I'm like you. I want to see Superman interacting with Green Lantern, and I want to see the Green Lantern core. And I want to see some of the lesser-known characters as well. They should do that, but you got to have the core in place. You know, all the crap about Supergirl and everything. That makes no sense if you don't have Superman ready to go. Makes Absolutely. no sense. Yeah. Like, like the thing about it is that obviously it's harsh to say that someone doesn't love a character. Like, I feel, I know, I know that Peg Jenkins loves Wonder Woman. I'm but sure. You know Pat, yeah. But you know what she loves? You, and she said it several times. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, speaking for her. She mm-hmm. said that it was the, the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. That yeah. was her thing. Yeah. You know, did not yeah. grow up reading comic books. Like Superman is not like everything to her. Green no. Lantern. If you ask her about no. John Constantine, she will have no fucking idea. Nah, who John she probably doesn't know. If you ask her who what who Swamp Thing is, like who the hell is her? Like if you ask her like Young Justice and Nightwing and Damian Wayne and you know Dick Grayson, like who mm-hmm. like who are those to her? So you need someone at the top who loves all of them, who loves the entire world yeah. because. One thing about Feige is that he loves the entire world. So he can bring in people who love particular characters or people who just want to use the Marvel Cinematic Universe as 
a leg up for their career. And <laughs> yeah. once they and because they're working within the construct that he has, you know, implemented, it doesn't do any damage to the entirety of the universe. And that's what DC is lacking. And people are saying, oh, Jeff Johns was going to be that. But Jeff, the problem with Jeff Johns was that Jeff Johns came in and he wasn't a producer. He's not someone who has been in Hollywood, who has any cachet, who has any say, who has who knows how to deal with personalities, deal with people. Like being a producer is not just like an easy job. You can't just oh, pick someone. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. apparently they, they thought it was, and he, he he kind of failed miserably at it. And what he was trying to do was he was trying to to uh you know secure his job position and make sure that you know he was able to, you know, continue. And so he was just doing a lot of things to please critics and try to get the most fans rather See, than do the actual world building. And that's you just, where it You just nailed it right, right there before I – I don't want to cut off Paul, so I'll shut up here in a second. But uh, that's that's probably the biggest thing, the, the courting of the bloggers and courting of the influencers and courting of – do we even want to call some of these people reviewers? I don't even know if we want to call them that. But courting those people was the wrong – idea that was the wrong path to follow and i'm telling you this is a guy who loves what the mcu has done telling you it was the wrong idea i liked i didn't like everything that snyder did of course not i'm i've lied to you i don't even like everything that the mcu does i don't like captain marvel there's a couple other movies that i don't like i'm I'm not gonna love everything but there was this cohesive universe this plan this plan for where superman was gonna go how to bring green lantern in how to expand it what kind of batman you know, Bruce Wayne was going to be. Maybe we'd have another Batman moving forward after that. Where was Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman going to go? This stuff was all in the works. And because they decided to listen to one group that was very vocal, I understand that, but they listened to one group, all of that exploded and they dropped a nuclear bomb on it and got rid of it. Wrong idea. Wrong idea. In my opinion, they listened to the wrong people, but whatever, you know? That's all spilled milk at this point. Paul, what what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think it, it just proves that they've learned the wrong lessons. Uh, I mean, that's what that's my takeaway from this. Um, you know, so for me, I don't want a, use, a loosely connected universe. I have no interest in that. I don't value varying tones and styles within the same universe. I, I, no, I just don't want it. Uh, you either have a connected universe with a consistent tone and a consistent um, cohesive universe – or you keep it entirely separate. So I'm okay with the Joker. It's its own thing. I'm okay sure. with Matt Reeves' Batman. It's its own thing. Build your universe the way you want within that universe. Um, I'm not okay with goofy-ass Shazam uh, fighting what's hopefully uh, – or meshed with what's hopefully a serious, dark Black Adam. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't mesh. Or goofy-ass Shazam teaming up with Henry Cavill Superman? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, come on. How – or, or and and what are they doing with Wonder Woman? I mean, they're 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 like you guys talked about. I mean, uh, Patty Jenkins has a uh, an obvious appreciation for Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. You can see the influence. She's talked about her appreciation for Richard Donner's uh, Superman seventy eight. Um, so that's that's what she appreciates, right? She's raved uh, about Jeff Johns. Uh, she's she's uh, she's been expressive about her love for Phil Jimenez, who is a, a big um, Snyder hater. So, you know, you, you sort of see which side of the camp she leans on. Mm-hmm. And she's coming in on the 
bright colors, hope and optimism, 80s style filmmaking. And, and there's a market for that, but it's a different direction uh, for sure. And, um, and you start to see that these things can't mesh together. Now, obviously, they, they've thrown away what I loved about this universe. Snyder had the plan. He had the right tone. He had, uh, you know, he talked about the cohesiveness of the Lord of the Rings universe. Well, that's what we were getting with DC. We were getting a, a cohesive five-film Superman-centric Justice League arc, and it was going to branch off. And from there, um, you know, you, you, can, you can vary your, your style a little bit, but it has to exist within the same cohesive universe. And, and Aquaman was not that. I mean, people can try and spin it however they want. Aquaman did not exist in the same universe as Snyder's first two movies, Man of Steel and BVS. Shazam. I mean, yeah, they had some little, you know, references to to Man of, <laughs> or to to BVS, but come on, did that feel like the same the same world? Not really, right? Yeah, um, and and I, you know, Wonder Woman eighty four. We have yet to see what's uh, you know what's going to come of that, but you can clearly see they're going for the nostalgia, they're going for the bright colors, they're going for the the classic hope and optimism. And and as much as I like the first trailer. I mean, I didn't love everything about it, but it looks like a fun, entertaining movie that I can, you know, hopefully take my wife and daughter to and enjoy. But mm-hmm. it's still going to bother me because of what they threw away. And and it's it's going to be a departure. I don't know how much of a departure. I don't know how much certain things are going to get under my skin. And she I want to give... A sword. Like Pardon that, me? me? Wonder Woman doesn't have her sword. Yeah, and, yeah well, so weird. It, that, yeah, no. that, that's just, that is the weirdest thing to me. You can make the argument that, you know, she doesn't need her sword in downtown Washington, D.C. in 1984. I mean, you could make that argument. I, I, I'm not I'm as so- hung up on that. It's more the – it was more the commentary they went with it. They thought it was too aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's just, it just speaks to the, um, the conviction with which they're throwing away everything Snyder built. And even this crappy quote she gave here with the um, – what was her exact words? There's a wide variety of comics, and their appearance, tone, and world are all radically different. Like then the, the Mar, like the consistency of the Marvel universe shouldn't be the status quo. Well, again, she's you read between the lines. She's just throwing away what Snyder was building. She's she's basically doubling down, saying we made the right decision, moving away from what they were trying to build. And and to me, that's the wrong lesson. The the lesson they should have learned is that you stick with your filmmakers and you stick to the plan and you don't listen to the talking heads and don't get derailed by a bunch of haters that didn't want your product in the first place. I mean, where did this where did this universe go wrong? It went wrong when they butchered Justice League to try and give the haters a checklist of everything they asked for. They caved, they got scared, they panicked, they threw away everything that made the universe good, gave people a checklist of the garbage they asked for, and like you said, they dropped a bomb on their own universe, and now they got nowhere left to go but to pick up the pieces. And now they're making terrible decisions, trying to pick up the pieces of what they perceive as working. So Aquaman mm-hmm. made big money. Uh, Wonder Woman was universally loved for the most part. Um, sure. Sure. And, and so they're saying, well, we're scared to touch any of this other stuff because we don't know what to do with it. So we're going to spin off Batman into something entirely different. We still don't know what to do with Superman. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to do spinoffs nobody asked for about the trench and the Amazons. And uh, oh God, I couldn't care less about an Amazon spinoff, especially one where Patty Jenkins is working with Jeff Johns and she's not even going to direct it herself. She's going to produce it and pass it off to someone else's. I mean, at best, this is going to be a straight to streaming quality production. I can't imagine this is ever going to make the theater. And if it does, it's. I mean, I'd imagine it's going to flop hard, right? Like, 
it's and it's just it's it's heartbreaking to see what they've what they've done to this universe um you know like you know wonder woman will continue to be successful i don't know that the next aquaman um i mean it might be successful but this screams to me uh one where people have they just go see it because they remember having a good time at the last one, forgetting just how bad the dialogue was in the first one and how it really wasn't that great a movie. I mean, Aquaman got by on visual spectacle and the fact that it was, uh, it had an exceptional timing. And when it went to the theater, it was a unique experience in that they, you know, it's the first time we kind of saw that kind of an underwater world brought to screen, almost, um, almost an avatar esque underwater world brought to life. Right. And that, that puts butts in seats that aren't necessarily interested in the subject matter. Jason Momoa puts butts in seats that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, aren't necessarily interested in the subject matter that's going to wear off. And if you have more of the same campy bullshit with number two, the Aquaman series is going to die a fast death. Um, so, so then what are you left with? Right. And so uh, honestly, I hate to say it, but if, I don't know. I think they just ought to blow up this whole universe and start over. I mean, release the Snyder Cut, let us have our closure, and then blow the whole thing up. You want to keep Wonder Woman going? Keep Wonder Woman going. You want to make one more Aquaman movie? Fine, do it. But, I mean, God, what a what a mess they've made, right? And uh, and that's I, for, you know that's why I think, and I apologize for interrupting you. Hold no, your thought. Ahead. Don't 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 forget your last thought. Um, that's why I still. You know, it's all up in the air on what the hell they're doing with Flash, and we keep saying it's never going to get made. It's never going to. That's why I keep thinking they're kind of punting it. It's they're they're keeping it in their back pocket, saying, you know what, we want to reboot everything. Boom, there we go. We just rebooted everything. I, I still yeah, think one, they have that in their pocket. And and you know, I totally forgot about uh, Suicide Squad, which you know, oh, again, Suicide Squad. Yeah, what, yeah. What what the hell is it? I mean. You had Suicide Squad. Now you've got the Suicide Squad, and it's a sequel, kind of, but it's not a sequel. But it's got half the same characters. I mean, again, we talked about this before, but the only explanation I can have for this weird evasiveness about what you're labeling it, like, okay, let's say, let's say the Suicide Squad, you know, they replace half the team because that's what the Suicide Squad is. It's a Suicide Squad. A bunch of them die, and you're constantly replacing team members. But you've got your consistent leader and Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg. Okay, so that's the sequel. So, so why is it not a sequel? What, what's going on? Is something happening in Wonder Woman eighty four that's making this not really yeah. a sequel, but kind I've of a been sequel? About that too. Well, that's yeah. that's the only thing I can think of because otherwise, just say it's a sequel. Say it's a Suicide Squad members team members changed by nature, and and it's essentially a sequel. But are they so embarrassed by the first Suicide Squad that they don't want to call it a sequel? Is that what they're afraid of, or is it that something's happening in Wonder Woman eighty four? And then if Wonder Woman eighty four is causing some uh, reset in the present, and and I'm not even sure how, how the mechanics of that would work because we've already seen the the present after Wonder Woman '84. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they could twist things around and come up with something, and the general yeah. audience will eat it up. But um, you know, if that's not the reset, is Flash Flashpoint the reset? Is Flashpoint even going to happen? Is New Gods even going to happen? I saw Eva Duvernay put out something about uh, she's on the fourth her fourth writing of a scene featuring some obscure character I've never heard of. And I got to tell you, I could care less about an Ava DuVernay new gods movie. I just, I mean, partly it's the bad taste in my mouth over what, you know, what they've done with the existing universe, the way they blew it up and threw away, you know what I, I mean, this was the epitome of what I would want to see in a cinematic film universe. I, this, this was it. This was what I wanted. And they blew it up and threw it away to appease haters. And now I've got to watch the crap they're giving us. And, and, and try to give it a fair chance. And, and I'll be honest, I'm not really interested 
Like I, I have to make an effort to keep an open mind. And the minute you have to make an effort to keep an open mind, it's going to be really hard to win you over. And, and that's where I am with things like with new gods and, and whatever other crap they're bringing out. Right. Like the, the, uh, Oh God, what was the, uh, well, the, the James on suicide squad and whatever other flavor of the week movies rumored <laughs> out there, Supergirl that just got tossed aside because now they're rumored that Henry Cavill is going to come back. And I have no doubt that um, black Adam, right. Black Adam could be good, but I have no faith. And, you know, I have no doubt that Danny Garcia would love to get uh, Dwayne Johnson and Henry Cavill in a movie together. Um, and that could be great, but do you have any faith that they're actually going to make it great? Or do you think they're going for the for the formula with the quips and the banter and the bright colors and the hope and the optimism? I mean, of course they are, right? That's they, They've learned nothing. So, um, and, and you know what? They're never going to make everyone happy. That's the thing they got to get comfortable with. Stop mm-hmm. trying to make everyone happy. It's not going to happen. With, with a character like Superman, you're not going to make everyone happy. So just pick pick a pick a story, pick a tone, go with it and support your creatives. Back it up, market it. Have the executives come out and say we love this. We're proud of this movie. This is a great movie. Put a positive spin on it. Have your PR people do something. Like don't just leave the filmmakers flailing and unsupported getting attacked by narratives from these idiot talking heads. Like it it, it just it baffles me the way it was handled. And you know the you know the, the ongoing involvement and praise of Jeff Johns tells you that this isn't entirely just, done. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that to me is one of the, the things I've not been able to wrap my head around. And, you know, um, sometimes in life there are some hard truths that just stare you in the face. And a lot of times we look away and I haven't, I haven't confronted it. But in a minute I'm going to and I think I'm going to be very upset because <laughs> if Patty Jenkins is still working with Jeff Johns after what happened with Justice League, there is something very there is something I don't like about that. There yeah, is something absolutely. there is like we all don't want to say it because you could, you could spin it, you could deny it, but the truth is yeah, screaming out to you. <laughs> there is there is a very uncomfortable in, inconvenient truth there. And we're we're gonna have to come to terms with it. Well, well, how often do you see Patty go out of her way to praise uh, Zack Snyder and his vision for the universe? And then how often do you see Patty go out of her way to praise Jeff Johns and praise Phil Jimenez and, uh, you know, who is, I mean, he single-handedly has turned me off comics. Uh, I mean, he's, I feel, I feel sick to my stomach going into a comic (laughs) book store, buying comics with people like Phil Jimenez and, you know, uh, and and she loves him. She loves him. So, and she professes her love for him publicly. So, you know, what, uh, you know, it just sends, it just, you know, you don't want to believe it, but you have to start opening your eyes at some point. You know what, too? You nailed on something before I, I go back to Lupe is uh, <laughs> you don't see a lot of that coming from Marvel, right? You like do they, not. They, they, they clamp down on that shit real fast. God. Go ahead. What other in what other company can you go out and undermine know, people working with the same product? Like <laughs> You'd be fired in a heartbeat if I went out and said something about someone that worked with one of our products publicly. Oh, if I'd I bash done. them or our products, done. oh yeah. my God, you'd be done. Yeah. You're done. And yeah. rightfully so. You know? Rightfully so. It's, 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 it's insane. Like, the, like one of the, the most hilarious things that happened was that, I mean, they went through the whole, and it was Jeff Johns, thing of, of bringing in Joss Whedon to take over for Zack Snyder. And then less than a month after Justice League hit the, the theaters, 
Just Sweden was on a red carpet with Marvel um, at a Marvel event talking about how the Marvel characters are better than DC characters. I'm like, what? Like, can you imagine that? It's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Can you imagine that? That's that's the type of of executive and leader that Jeff Johns was. We all like it. Like talking about well, yeah. this, it's, it's so bizarre. He it's was sowing division instead of instead of creating unity and a and a you know a, like a united face and and supporting each other. He was he's sowing division behind behind the scenes. Creators. And undermining yeah. creators, yeah, 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 because we all know whether you like it or not, there's a rivalry between DC and Marvel. Yeah, like, of course, yeah, that, that's like no matter what, it doesn't like you can try to paint rainbows in the sky, and they're two competitors. It's it's business, and the whole there was this whole notion of oh, you know, the better DC does, the better Marvel does. It's that's just that's just talk because Justice League completely bombed, and then the next. DC movie was Black Panther, and it was one of the biggest things ever. And the truth is that the rhetoric has always been that the worse DC does, the better it makes Marvel look. Because it's like you guys can get your stuff together, and they're these guys who like have it going, so they must be the greatest thing ever. So for you to to go and then take a, a director from a rival company, a director. That stands for everything that critics have said that your director isn't. Basically, Just Whedon's is like the anti-Zack Snyder when it comes to, to, to comic book movies. And then you use him to usurp the director and completely hijack his vision. And oh my goodness, this is it's it's anyway. Uh we we've we've talked about that enough. Let's move on to, to some other stuff. Uh, because we can go on. For, for hours about the, the debacle that is DC and, and what they're doing over there. But let's talk about uh, one of my most anticipated movies, one of everybody's most, even if you don't watch movies and you have no idea what movies are, Tenet will be like one of your most anticipated movies of the year. And the release date is July 17th. But uh, the studios and the exhibitors are coming up on a uh, crucial date. So apparently sometime next week, I don't think there's any specific day has been given, is going to be uh, the, 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 the date, the point of no return, so to speak. Uh, they're either going to have to go full steam ahead and invest all the marketing dollars and, and the promotion and all that stuff, or they're going to have to postpone it and push forward. So from what I have been led to believe and glean from reading the tea leaves and everything the CDC has been saying and WHO, it seems like we can see uh, theaters begin to open towards the end of June, either early June or towards the end of June. Um, and Nolan, he's very passionate about the theatrical experience. Like that's, his whole career has been based around that type of movies he makes. He shoots with IMAX cameras to to um, exhibit his films on IMAX screens. He shoots with film and wants people to see his, his movies in 70mm and 35mm uh, film. He has a great relationship with the, with the theater uh, uh, chains. And even when this whole pandemic started, he wrote a letter, um, you know, championing 
the theatrical experience and how it's such a, a rich and vital part of our culture and our human experience. So um, I know that he wants to use Tenet as a tool to bring people into theaters because this is a movie, I'm telling you, a lot of people on, on social media have been saying, I'll risk coronavirus for Tenet. <laughs> and to be sincere, I'm actually one of them. If, I'm obviously, I'm not uh, unintelligent and immature. I will look at the... Uh, the recommendations by experts and if they say you know it's safe to go out and we can eat social distancing i'll be smart i'll go i'll try to see the movie when nobody is in theater probably like go very early in the day when it's just going to be me that kind of thing but um yet nolan he definitely wants to use this movie to bring people to to theaters because this is one of the biggest movies of the year probably the biggest if i think about it it's probably the biggest movie of the year, the one that has the most draw. And um, if a lot of people can go to theaters and and come out, you know, being okay, then confidence is gonna is gonna you know uh, be reinstilled and and it'll be good for the industry as a whole. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that July seventeenth is is too optimistic? Do you think they should just postpone it what do you think the prospects are and are you are you anticipating this movie um whichever one of you wants to start go ahead well christian go ahead i can't well yes anticipating the movie it's christopher nolan absolutely there's no there's no question about me anticipating the movie um because i'm i'm you know a selfish american uh looking at it from the united states perspective COVID in the USA, I live right outside New York City. So we're the hardest hit area in the United States. The northeast of the country, which stretches from Boston all the way down to Washington, D.C. So we are the northeast corridor. We have, outside of pockets, we've successfully flattened the curve. And when it comes to Jersey and a couple other places, we're actually, most people think we're pushing into suppression now, which is great. But we're still locked down till June. We're not going anywhere, at least for another month. And they're planning test and trace as we speak, which is probably the only real way that you can open up this part of the economy again and get us as close to normal as possible because we are way too densely populated. We are smack up against one another in this area of the country. And that's why we're so well connected and that's why we spread disease so fast. It's just how it is. I probably won't go into New York City for at least another year. I mean, it's just, you know, that that's the world we live in now. It's disgusting, but that's how it is. The Northeast is planning to do test and trace and open up and things like that regionally. We're going to coordinate that with the rest of New, my, my state, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Maryland, up to Massachusetts, D.C. That's what we're doing. So we're going to do this into, into Pennsylvania. Now, the rest of the USA, the Midwest, the South, they're already opening up. The number of cases is still a little bit on the rise in those areas. So it'll be interesting to see if these are just old test cases coming through or if it's the infection rate, the hospitalization rate the ICU rate, the ventilator rate, is all that stuff going to start going up in the next two weeks? If that does, how the hell do you not postpone a movie like this? And how the hell do you feel comfortable opening theaters, number two? Number three, do people like me feel comfortable going to a theater? Right now, no. And I don't care if tenants opening. I don't. I don't feel comfortable going to a restaurant. I don't feel comfortable going out. Now, maybe, again, it's where I live. I live in a densely populated area of the country. So to me, Maybe it's tough. Now, I go on walks. I go on bike rides. I went to the store. My wife and I went to the local shop up the street from us today. We had our masks on. We talked to people. We social distanced. We did what we were supposed to do. Cool. But do I want to sit in a theater for three hours? 
they're going to do what they have to do. I know they're going to force people to wear masks. They're going to half theater. You know, the theaters are going to be half full. But if that's the case, can the movie make as much money as it's supposed? There's a lot of factors at play here, guys. There's a lot of factors at play. So this is an incredibly anticipated movie for me. Coming up in July, I think it's July 17th is the the date, like you were saying, that they're thinking. I don't know if that date's going to hold. Me personally in the United States, I cannot speak for the rest of the world. I think that might be premature because I think we might get a second wave in the U.S. Maybe not in my area, but I think we're going to get a second wave in the rest of the country, in the Midwest, the Southeast, the Southwest. I think we're going to get a second wave there. And the second wave, even if it's not as bad as the first, and it may very well be, it's going to another round of lockdowns are probably going to have to come into place. Now, I pray to God that that second wave does not happen. And I pray to God that this disease doesn't spread as far as they thought. But the science has been there. We've already spread it. I'm just I'm just calling it like it is. I'm very worried about it. I would rather stay locked down a little while longer, push it a little bit further and then have your economic recovery be that much stronger. I'd be yeah. I think to me and I'll shut up, Lupe. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. I think by September. I personally will feel much better to go out into crowds. I'm fine going to parks right now. I'm fine even going into the store. I'm cool with that because you're in and out in like 40 minutes. But, you know, in inside packed areas for two, three hours at a clip, I got to think about that one. And mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of people in this area. They feel like me. Mm-hmm. So this this is going to be tough. This this is a tough one, guys. I, I, I agree. I don't know if I have the right answer. And I'm no scientist. So I, I talked for a little bit there. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. You're fine. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm in a high-risk category, um, so I'm not going to be rushing out. Um, now, if something were to change dramatically, um, then yeah, sure, maybe I'd consider it, but um, I, I don't see what's going to change dramatically. I mean, it's everything we've heard is, you know, says it's going to take several months, if not longer, to come up with some kind of uh, effective treatment, uh, you know, get it tested and get it mass-produced. Um vaccinations you know we're down the you know, still down the road away so so as we go into this phased reopening i mean wh- i'm i'm failing to understand what's going to stop the numbers from spiking again um and if that's the case you're going to be less safe potentially you know when that happens than you are now um with everyone on lockdown so why would i rush out and risk myself you know to go see that film now i mean and i love nolan's films but I can wait. It's not for me uh, something where I just absolutely cannot wait to see it. I, I can, I'm not going to risk my life, right? Uh, or put my family at risk. Um, so if I think, and I think there's a lot of people that are going to be in that same boat. Like for me, it's going to take me a while of seeing life come back to normal before I start uh, following suit, right? Just yeah. because I am sort of in a high risk category. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not going to be. July just doesn't seem feasible to me uh, personally. So I, I think they should probably, I think there's enough people in that situation that it's going to impact their box office. They mm. should probably delay it or consider some kind of simultaneous um, uh, release of it on premium video on demand. Uh, if not on same day, maybe within a week or two, right? Put it in theaters for a week or two and then no make it available. No one yeah. will have to do that. Even, 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 so only, even with a short delay? You know, he's so partial to the theatrical experience. It's, yeah, it's, I, I hear that. Yeah, He's dogmatic about it. Right. He's like, no one is like him when it comes to the theatrical experience. Honestly. Well, well here's, here's the thing. I mean, I, I don't know what the budget for this film is, but I'm assuming that, that they're not... Yeah, it's over right. two. And, yeah. and they're not going to open... They're not going to put this in packed theaters, right? Like, you're not going to be packed... Even if theaters are open July 17th, you're not going to be packing theaters. You're going to be 
selling every third seat, presumably, right? Like it's not like this is just miraculously going to go away. Yeah, You're not going to take a hit. Like it's it's going to take a hit. Yeah, like you're you're gonna have theaters that are a third full or half full at most, mm-hmm. uh, I would presume, right? I mean, I, I don't know what their what their exact plan is, but if you look at these phase reopenings, they're talking about for theme parks and restaurants, they're typically starting at fifty percent capacity and then working their way up from there, right, or some yeah. some percentage, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's not going to be financially viable unless they're expecting this film to have just like unheard of legs because <laughs> you know, it takes people so long to get out and see it, uh, which, you know, maybe they will leave in theaters a long time because it's not going to have much competition. Um, but I, I, I really struggle to see how this one is not going to get delayed, right? It's, but mm-hmm. you know what? Hey, we'll, we'll see where we're at when, when the time comes. You know, I, 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 really, I really like the uh, amounts of restraint and calm that you guys are, are preaching. Like you guys are, are speaking, speaking the truth. The number one most important thing is our health and our safety. Yeah. yeah. The health and the safety of, of those around us, the ones we love, and even the health and safety of of uh, strangers, because you could pass it on to you know to to people um, that you don't even know, and it's it's our responsibility as as you know good citizens and good you know fellow countrymen and good fellow citizens of the world to do our part to protect one and each other. Um, so, you know, to, to be honest, um, we shall all err on the side of caution because, as Paul said, the movie's made. It's not going anywhere. Even if it's in theaters, it, it's going to be there for a long time. Even if you don't get to see it in theaters, you'll get to see it at home. Your health and, and the well-being of all of us is more important. And as Christian said, um, a lot of people, you know, are looking at the fact that, oh, you know, theaters are not going to be doing well. It's going to be bankruptcies, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the 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 more disciplined we are about social distancing and flattening the curve now, the shorter the time will be. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. all work together, we will be able to get through this quickly, and then. We can work on rebounding. Now, one thing that my 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 dad said, which is like really a funny thing, but it's true, is that we know how to revive economies. Yes, yes. We do not know how to revive human life. Yeah. So until yeah. we know how to resurrect people, we have to err on the side of caution. We can resurrect economies. We've gone through depressions. The economic cycle goes through recessions from time to time. Businesses fail and 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 are booming again. We know how to do that, but we do not know how to resurrect lives. And until we do, we have to we have to be to be smart and we have to have our priorities in order. It's immoral yeah. to it's immoral to um, value money over human life. Will life be uncomfortable for us? We're not going to be able to spend as much as we used to. Uh, we're not, you know, like my hair is getting unruly and growing. But <laughs> I haven't had a haircut. You know, also I'm not able to go to the gym. I love to go to the gym and all that stuff. And I've not gone to a bar with friends. That is, that's difficult. But, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing compared to human suffering and the loss of life. So we have to have our priorities in order. I remember 
our values as human beings. Very important. So you guys, I really like, I really like uh, where you took it. And um, yeah, I'm going to be very, very careful when it comes out. I'm encouraging people to err on the side of caution. Don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, that's the, those are the topics I was most passionate about this week. Uh, that was a very lengthy discussion. So okay. um, Christian, uh, why don't you lead us and uh, let's talk about you know what, what you have for us. So the first thing, uh, do we want to go into Last of Us or we want to go into Star Wars? Which would you prefer, Lupe? You want to do Last of Us? Let's go with Star Wars first. Star Wars first. Okay. Yeah. I apologize. I got the I got the notes on my side and I lost the notes, so that's my fault. Okay. No, so, no, 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 no. <laughs> so Star Wars. There's two things uh, with Star Wars. You guys know I'm a huge Star Wars fan. We got Paul on here as a big Star Wars fan, and Lupe, not so much a Star Wars fan. Not so so much. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Star Wars series, the the main Star Wars series, is taking a little break uh, when it comes to the movies, and I think that's probably a good thing. However, we are getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. We're getting a Cassier Andor series that will be pre-Rogue One. Rogue One was a fantastic movie. That's coming to Disney+. Plus. The Mandalorian has been renewed all the way through Season 3. Go figure that out. Uh, and in books and comics, look, we're getting Darth Vader stories. We're getting the High Republic timeline the, back when the Jedi were at their peak. And I'm going to talk about in two seconds about a story that's being led by a female uh, on Disney Plus. There's a new story that they're going to a new series that they're going to be talking that they're talking about introducing soon. However, the big news that came out this past week was that Taika Waititi is going to be directing and co-writing a new Star Wars movie. <laughs> Enter the insane Star Wars fans. <laughs> so uh the uh the the person if i want to make sure that i get this correct by the way i, th I believe it's the co-writer of 1917 christy wilson cairns is also helping to deliver the script so that's pretty heavy so between taika and her that that's pretty heavy duty now trying to look at this in a vacuum he's a very talented filmmaker mm -hmm. i finally got a chance to watch jojo rabbit it's great it's freaking great. He has a football comedy coming out. It's going to be called The Next Goal Wins, and that's with Michael Fassbender and Elizabeth Moss. That looks good. But he injects this cheeky, cocky, indie silliness into his movies. And it's arguable that his Mandalorian episode, by the way, was the best of that entire season. It was fantastic. But is that John Favreau, since he's the showrunner? So is that really Favreau and not Taika? I'm not sure. But let's be honest here. The Star Wars fans are freaking crazy. I'm an old school fan. I've said this numerous times before, and I don't really care what Star Wars fans I anger. I get mad on this one. I really just don't care. I remember Star Wars fans hating George Lucas when he did the special editions. They hated the prequels. They quote unquote said he raped our childhood. They chased him out of it. He basically sold because he was so pissed off. Plus, he you know wanted to get his retirement account all set up. But, but you know he donated a lot of the money as well. But you know from hating the man himself, and of course hating everything that Disney has done, whether it's the trilogy, whether it's Rogue, Rogue One, whether it's Rebels, whether it's whatever, it doesn't matter. Us as Star Wars fans, we are freaking nuts. We are crazy. We're rabid. That's just how we are. Now enter Watiti. This guy is divisive. Thor 3 was probably the most polarizing MCU movie out there. If, you, if you're like me and you like the direction that they're going with Thor now as a guy that really thought he was the strongest Avenger, a guy that really has lost everything, and this is his PTSD, this is his rock bottom, he's actually hit what would be Thor's rock bottom, then you like it. Other people don't, and, it, and when they don't, I'm telling you, they don't. Like, they, they hate 
this movie. Um, and he's going into Thor four and it looks like he's going hard into that direction with a female Thor, which by the way, fits the comic books, but that's another story entirely. It looks like he's going hard into that direction. So, this, I don't know, is something, look, if the one thing that Star Wars, Disney Star Wars and Lucasfilm want to do is to bring the fans together. They did a great job with that, I think, in Clone Wars Season 7. Mandalorian seems to be going that route. Not everybody is 100% sold on it, but for the most part, people really seem to like the Mandalorian. You had Ryan Johnson do whatever the fuck he was trying to do with Last Jedi. I liked it. Paul hates it. There you go. There's a perfect example of it right there. We cannot agree on that movie really at all, except that. Rise of Skywalker actually might have done better with its connections to Last Jedi. It made Last Jedi better for Paul a little bit. That's like the only thing that we can agree on. So with all the divisiveness that Star Wars had, I ask both of you guys, is Taika Waititi the right guy for this? Now, he brings something different, that cosmic aspect that maybe Star Wars has been missing with this new trilogy. But he is he going to go into the lore? Like George Lucas did, even whether you like the prequels or not, he went deep into the lore in the prequels. He went crazy into it. There was a spiritualism to the Force in addition to the scientific side of the Force. He world-built, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if Taika's the guy to do that. Is he going to kind of stay cheeky? So I'll ask Paul first just because he's the Star Wars fan, and I kind of know which direction he's going to go into. And then I want to hear uh, Paul uh, Lupe's side too because I, I think I remember you talking about Jojo Rabbit in a, in a separate pod. So – just let me, what do you guys think? Do you think he's the right guy for the job? Well, I think, well, let, let me, because I'm not going to have much to say. So, you know, sure. Paul, you, you'll be able to take the stage for, for quite a bit and wrap, wrap us up. But um, Taika is a very interesting director. Like this is, he's very talented. Like in terms yeah. Of, yeah. of of the craft of filmmaking, don't get it twisted. Regardless of what you think about his style, which is an auteur style. He's a very, very skilled filmmaker. Now, I personally don't like his style. Gotcha. Uh, and no, you know what? That's actually not fair to say because I love Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. I love uh, what we do in the shadows. Um, I, I like those, but I don't like it when I don't like what he did with Thor: The Dark World. I haven't seen the Mandalorian series, but from what I've seen of clips and pictures, it seems he didn't deviate from the tone that was set. So um, that that seemed like, I mean, I haven't seen it, and you said it was good, so I, I believe you. And he was going to make an Akira movie. I'm 100% sure that would not have been a cringy joke fest. Mm-hmm. And I think that with this Star Wars movie, I don't think he's going to, I don't think that, I think Star Wars is, you can go either way with Star Wars, because let's, let's not forget, Star Wars has some cringy, weird humor even the even the original trilogy has some comedic side characters and some, old school fans so, forget yeah, how silly star wars can exactly be. they star, forget star wars can yeah. be silly, but it does it does have you know the serious parts but it has some so i'm not sure what he's going to do what's the tone he's going to strike if he's going to go all the way and make it like super goofy or <laughs> it's going to be more serious i personally when i look at worlds like star wars um I prefer if they're very serious, gravely serious. Um, that's why I enjoyed uh, The Last Jedi so much. I know it did have its ridiculous parts, but mm-hmm. um, to me, the sort of like very serious grounded parts and the overall tone 
was a bit more serious. Um, yeah. the, that, the comedy that, of The Last Jedi is what turned me off. It. Not to turn this into a Last Jedi debate, yeah. but that, I, mean, I still thought but it was overly overall, goofy. But anyway, yeah, go but on. The, the overall tone for me was felt a little bit more somber, felt a little bit more serious. Obviously, there'll be ridiculous parts, uh, ridiculous humor. I didn't enjoy it, but as I said, I don't like any of the humor in any Star Wars movie. And I'm talking about the original ones included. I think the humor is like absolutely atrocious, but that's just me. Um, so I I never counted that in the last year. That's not even something I even think about because if I do, I'll hate every single Star Wars movie. That's <laughs> the way it is. Um, so I, I'm I, I prefer it when it's when it's darker, when it's more serious. That's why a lot of people are really looking forward to something in the Old Republic because I I I'm sure that underneath those 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 demands for an old republic movie is that people want something very serious and very dark for star wars people are just not saying it out um so i'll be curious to see where he takes it i haven't seen him do something very serious but i know he can do it and as you guys said his mandalorian episode it wasn't like crazy comedic or anything like that it was well crafted so i i think it's fine and besides a lot of the star wars um uh fans are also marvel fans and disney fans it's the whole the whole family there so i think that i think they'll all have fun with it it's not something i'm looking forward to or anything like that but i don't think it's i don't think it's a bad choice personally yeah before we go to paul i think what people have to be careful with is they they tend to look at him through the lens of mcu and thor and then that's it he gets painted into <laughs> just that one thing Stop. We got. We got to stop doing that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I yeah, do. Well, before before you say, I do. Th- I do think Thor is his worst work, and mm-hmm. also I didn't exactly love Jojo Rabbit, and I personally I, I thought that uh, the comedic element undercut uh, a seriousness of his message. And yeah, there was a lot the commentary. Of, like, yeah, yeah, a lot of mixed yeah. messaging in there for me. Um, but that's that's just that's just. That's do with taste. That's all it is. I got you. I got you. Paul, hit us up. Yeah. So, um, well, I think I think you may raise a fair point that that people's impression of Waititi is often colored by his Thor movies and uh, or Thor Ragnarok and and you know the upcoming with Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes. I I, I could not stand Ragnarok. Um, I thought it was. I mean, it was it was beyond parody. Like it was to the point where that opening scene. I mean, I, I didn't even believe that that was really the movie. I thought. I thought, am I actually watching the movie or is this like some kind of like weird comedic like trailer or something? And then you realize, oh shit, this is actually the movie. And and it didn't get better from there, right? So so on the one Except hand for me, it got better, but go ahead. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I, I really dislike what he did with Thor Ragnarok. And when you hear his comments about Thor Love and Thunder, I mean I think he was just quoted as saying it's like ten year olds gave us all of their best ideas and we took every one of them or something, right? Like he he uh, he revels in in the goofiness of his um, of his films, and I think he loves rubbing it in the faces of the people that don't like his goofiness. So that's uh, really concerning when it comes to Star Wars. Now, with the Mandalorian, so this is why I have sort of mixed feelings. His episode is actually one of the better episodes of The Mandalorian. I was mm-hmm. I was kind of lukewarm on The Mandalorian. I'm not uh, one of these people that thought this was like peak Star Wars. I thought it was mostly filler with a handful of decent but not great episodes, um, enough to keep me intrigued and watching, but barely more than that, like barely. And and I thought he had 
you know, I think probably my favorite episode. And, and, and so, so I do have some optimism that he could pull this off. Um, now, before, he, before his episode of The Mandalorian aired, back when they first announced he'd be directing, he, he indicated that they had made clear to him that Star Wars, that he had to dial down the comedy. That this was Star Wars, and yeah. there's a there's a tone he has to adhere to, and they made it clear to him. So I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to go with that same approach for whatever film he comes up with. Also, the fact that the screenplay is going to be written by uh, the writer of 1917. Now I'm not familiar with Christy Wilson Cairns, but uh, I did see 1917. I liked it. Um, if she's the writer, the that flick. gives me some hope that it's not mm-hmm. going to be uh, a comedy cringe fest, right? Uh, but I, I don't like his style typically. I don't like his cocky attitude. I even remember he made comments like throwing the the people who made Green Lantern under the bus, uh, you know, just because he had a he had a small part in that film, if I'm not mistaken. And he you know was basically going on about how you know they didn't listen to his suggestions and he told them it wasn't going to work and this and that and you know it just kind of turned me off. Um, and I've seen him interviewed a few times and his his aura, his persona just kind of turns me off. You know, I'm sure lots of people love him. Lots of people love that sort of cocky snarkiness. That just rubs me the wrong way though. So Mm -hmm. he's just not my kind of filmmaker. Uh, That being said, you know, I'm holding out that sliver of hope because I actually did in fairness, like his episode of the Mandalorian, but um, you know, he wouldn't be my first choice for star Wars, but you know, until, until we get a better idea of what we're looking at until we see a trailer uh, you know, until until I have confirmation that this is going to be a Ragnarok style goof fest, I'm going to hold out a little bit of hope. Once once we see that it's full blown ridiculous comedy, then I'll back out. But until that point, I'll I'll give him a chance. Yeah, and I believe at the moment we're not 100 percent sure exactly what era of Star Wars they're going into. Are they going to continue the Ray storyline from here? Are they going to go back into the Old Republic? Are they going to go far into the future? I don't know if we have that information just yet. But if Lucasfilm, and by extension, of course, Disney, is trying to do the best they can to say, okay, maybe we'll bring fans together here. I I don't know. I mean, again, for me, I don't necessarily have an issue with him doing this. I don't. Uh, It's just, is that the guy (laughs) that you're looking for if you want to say, I want to bring the fandom together? when he can definitely be a bit on the divisive side when it comes to this stuff. I don't know. So something to keep an eye on as we move forward, especially as we start learning a little bit more about the direction that that movie is going to take. Well, um, well the one thing Christian's right is the one point yeah. I just wanted to make, um, you, you mentioned that Star Wars fans were up, were up in arms about this. I don't know that I share that same uh, perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's well, a shift. Out. But go ahead. Well, well, I, I see a lot of Star Wars fans jumping on board because you, you've got the Star Wars fan base is so fractured since last year yeah i agree and and it seems like the mcu fans have really adopted the last jedi like the mcu fans really align tightly with the last jedi and they're gonna love anything ytd puts on the screen with star wars i mean it doesn't matter what he puts on the screen they're gonna love it um so and and you see that already they're they're ecstatic about ytd i mean this is an inspired choice right it's you can do no wrong um so you're gonna get that huge mcu fan base and the goodwill that he brings with them right um, so who do you have left that, that is pissing off? You have original Star Wars fans that is pissing off. You have the Star Wars segment of the Star Wars fandom that aligns with DC fandom, which is where I am. Uh, it's going to probably rub those people the wrong way. But, I mean, if, if you look at Disney, who do they want? They want to bring in their Marvel fans. They want Star Wars to be like Marvel, and they they own Marvel. So they're bringing their guys over to Star Wars to make it like Marvel. So I don't think... I don't think this is causing as much outrage. I think this is being met with more approval than it is outrage. Certainly all the bloggers and the popular narrative is going to spin this as a positive. Well, um, they're eh, 
But, but I mean, they, they create the narrative. All these talking heads that prop up the MCU are going to be 100% on board with this, you know, and uh, and that narrative is going to permeate the, you know, the popular psyche. And people are going to think this is great. And and already, I think, you know, probably two thirds of the fandom probably thinks this is great. So so I, I think financially and from a popularity standpoint, this is a no lose. Like this is going to this is going to be great for them. I, I'm just concerned from a from a quality perspective and is this going to be the star Wars that I love or is this going to be MCU star Wars? And I'm, I'm, you know, well, time will tell. Right. Yeah. And that's the only problem is I think we wind up taking, I don't want to use the word gatekeeper. That's a horrible thing to say, but it, it's, you know, we take such ownership of it and it's like, well, is this the, it's the star Wars I love or is it right now? I love all star Wars. So that's pretty much how I am. I pretty much like it all. Um, and some people just call me, I'm a corporate chill and I just consume, 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 but I just love star Wars. Um, that that's how I am. There are others. And you know, this from being part of the fandom, Paul, that, that they're only OG fans. That's it. Then there's others that hated the prequels, but they've come on board and now they hate the sequels. And there's others that think the sequels are better Then there's others. I mean, that's just the fandom yeah, has split it's like that. Three, got, three layers of division or more. Yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, you do right. raise it. I think you raise a good point, though, that that Taika could be a way for Disney to, to bring on this other fan base. But I I still feel I could totally be wrong, Paul. I, absolutely. That if you're trying to bring this fandom together, I just don't know if that's the way to do it, because, sure, you could bring MCU Disney people in. But are you bringing the rest of the Star Wars fans in? That's all I'm I, asking. I'm not sure they care anymore. I, Maybe I think I think if they Maybe could not. get their MCU fandom over, they're willing to lose the others. Maybe I mean, that's just my gut feeling. So and maybe do the do we need to die off? I don't even I don't even want to go down that route. But anyway, um, well I don't think so because we're the ones bringing our kids to their theme parks. So uh, yeah, that's true too. That's true too. There yeah, is a so, quick anyway. uh, no. You're right, Paul. You're right. There there is a quick Star Wars side note uh, in here too as they slowly expand the Star Wars universe. And I just want to ask you guys what you think about it. A report came in from Variety, and then it was in a couple of other areas as well, but. Another Star Wars series is in the works, and it's going to be going into Disney+. Plus. According to the article, the series hails from Leslie Headland, who's the co-creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the Netflix series Russian Doll, which, as you guys probably know, got a lot of critical acclaim. Now, details of the plot of the series right now are being kept under wraps, but sources are telling us it will be a female-centric series that takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than any project that we've heard bef- that we've seen before. Hedlund is said to be attached to write and serve as the showrunner on the series, with the show currently going through staffing right now. They tried to reach out to Hedlund and also to Disney for a comment, and they did not respond to their request. So, I ask you guys, I don't know if you've seen Russian Doll, if you know anything about it, but what do you think of them expanding Star Wars into these shows now that are going into live action on Disney+, Plus, as opposed to going into the movies at the moment? Uh, you want to start? I guess we'll with Lupe first. I think for a for a Cinematic universe is just it's the smartest thing to do. It it, mm-hmm. it really is. And Star Wars has always been that. It's been able to express itself across whatever storytelling platform is available, whether it's in games, whether it's in board games, whether it's in playing cards. I've seen Star Wars playing cards, <laughs> like you know, whether it's you know, video games, of course, we know this is you know immensely popular, you know, um, not the novelizations, novels, um, so yeah, I think I think it's smart. I think that they're doing. I mean, aside from the shit show of <laughs> the shit show of all shit shows that uh, was trilogy that just yep. happened. Yep. Um, I think that Disney part of why Lucas sold um, Star Wars to Disney is that 
they they have the different uh, avenues to tell stories for this property. Um, whether you're talking about theme parks or 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 games or books or whatever mm-hmm. action figure toys, and um, they really they really should be doing that. And also, um, I I do think that they do need to bring Star Wars back to theaters. There needs to be plans for that. That's that's like the foundation. It's kind of like not to bring this back to DCEU, but it's kind yeah, of like DCEU without Superman. Mm-hmm. It, you can't have Star Wars coming if there aren't movies that are doing well and, and the story being told in in the movies. That's that's their bread and butter. Now, it's okay if they want to take a break for a while, but that break can't be for too long or else it's not being all that it can be. I mean, Star, Star Wars started you know, in theaters, it's a, you know, blockbuster in theaters, and right. and and that's 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 the core. You know, like just conceptually, they've got to get that right. You know, I think that the thing with TV series and video games and is that, I mean, we we haven't dissected that yet, and that would make a great topic to talk about. But why is it that there isn't as much pressure? and interference and you know a lot of properties seem to do better as video games as you know graphic novels as uh, novels as whatever other type of storytelling you know medium there is but when it comes to to movies the big temple blockbusters can tend to be quite controversial especially established ones yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, it's it's hard to do uh, on the silver screen, but it's something that they have to do conceptually. They just they just owe it to to the DNA and the essence of what Star Wars is to get it right on the big screen. Yeah. 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 I think it's nice to have these these shows that fleshes out the Star Wars universe and whether Mandalorian is is great Star Wars or good Star Wars. It's nice to have that and the Obi Wan show and flip, but. Yeah, man, it's the movies. It's that that's that's I mean, think about it. That's what was the first experience for how many people went to go see a, a new hope, probably in like a drive in or they were hanging out with their their kids and they bought their kids to see star. It was the spectacle of it. And yeah, you don't. I don't think you want to lose all that, you know, um, Paul, what about you? Well, I think it's going to depend entirely on the story and the setting. Um, yeah. So so my number one concern with Disney. So I, first of all, I've enjoyed eight out of nine movies. Uh, I mean, Disney's only responsible for three, and I've enjoyed two out of those three. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, the Last Jedi. Um, it well, was don't a well Rogue made. One and Solo. They're also oh, responsible you're right. For those you know what? Well, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. So sorry, I I actually enjoyed four to five Disney movies because I enjoyed Solo and and Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rise of Skywalker has actually been my favorite of the bunch. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people disagree with me, but um, I think given the position they were put in, uh, they did an incredible job with it. The um, so to me, that gives me hope that they're actually on the right track, the Rise of Skywalker, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, and, and we've gone into long debates on this before, but I think they sure. really had to pick up the pieces and try of, of the, pick up the setups that they introduced in Episode 7 were intentionally thrown away in Episode 8, and they had to pick those back up in 9 and wrap it all up in a bow and still try to tie in Episode 8. And I think they did a remarkable job. Are there a few things I would have done differently? Absolutely. Uh, but overall... I like the movie. I mean, I had issues with The Force Awakens too, and I've had little issues with every film, but but for the most part, with the exception of The Last Jedi, I've enjoyed uh, the movies. Now, their, their series, uh, I cannot say the same. Uh, I thought Rebels was a big step down from Clone Wars. Now, 
I think the second half of season two of Rebels was excellent, like peak uh, animated Star Wars. I think it was it was on the same level as Clone Wars. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. The rest of Rebels, I thought, was mostly filler. And I was just was more and more frustrated with every episode because it, it, it always seemed like there was potential, like maybe this is the week we're actually going to do something. And it was just more filler and more filler and more filler and more excuses and more maybe next week. And I got a lot of that same vibe with The Mandalorian. Um, you know, eight episodes praised, but what does it really get praised for? It gets praised for Baby Yoda. Oh, isn't Baby Yoda cute? You know, I mean, there's some other positive elements to the series, but the Baby Yoda thing wore off real fast for me. And, um, you know, aside from that, I'd say there was about three three episodes I, you know, I enjoyed. And, you know, maybe five episodes where I was like, yeah, I guess it was okay. I mean, so... I didn't hate it. Um, you know, maybe there's one or two episodes where I was really like, wow, that wasn't good. But it was just mediocre and, and fillerish. And then we get to this season seven of Clone Wars. And the first eight episodes were frustrating. Um, they had their moments of entertainment, but mostly filler, mostly the kind of nonsense I wish I didn't waste my time on. And then we got to the last four episodes of, of season seven of Clone Wars, and you put those together as a movie, and you have a fantastic animated Star Wars movie. So they proved that they can do it. I mean, it was great. But but there's been so little great and so much filler in the Disney Star Wars series um, outside of the, the theatrical releases that I don't have any confidence that this isn't also going to be filler. And my, my general impression and fear with Disney is that you're going to get an eight to 10 hour series that probably should have been three hours and they're going to drag it out and stretch it out. And they're probably going to neuter it and it's not going to have a lot of consequences. And you're just going to end up being frustrated that they were afraid to go the, go to the places they should have gone. And that's typically how I feel about most Disney star Wars. Now I hope I'm wrong, uh, but it really, as I say, it comes down to the story it comes down to the consequences, and maybe, maybe by going to an era that's outside of anything they've done before, they can actually have some consequences because they're not afraid of screwing up some continuity or some beloved character, or you know, they can actually take some chances and do something. But it's Disney, so I'm not super optimistic. Um, that being said, it's Star Wars, so I'll give it a chance. And until I see the trailers, um, I'm going to reserve judgment, and then ultimately I'll watch a show anyway. At least give it a chance, you know, the first couple episodes. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it'll turn out being okay. Uh, but, you know, time will tell. Yeah, and I think going to a different era might be a big thing too because Disney has proven that they've been a little hesitant, maybe a lot hesitant, to mess around too much with the established characters and the established storyline. And that's fine. Getting into new characters and new stories sometimes can be good too. Brandon and I just did a retrospective on Rebels recently. We did, We both did a rewatch and both we just found out how much we really enjoyed the show. It's not Clone Wars. It's not. But we both said, wow, we were into season three and four. We're kind of like, wow, there's, there's a lot more going on here than we thought. And they're they're going deep into Ezra's story and the, the Emperor and the connections of the mysticism and the religious part of the Force. And there was a lot to talk about in that show, more about family than we would have expected as well. So I think sometimes filler can be a little subjective. So yeah. my my filler might not be your filler, but you bring up a really good point when you're talking about going into different eras because Disney has shown that they do not feel comfortable messing with the established lore. Yeah, no, they don't. Sorry. And, and then part of the thing, well, I was just going to add to that, Christian, is that you're right. It is subjective because I don't care about Ezra. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't care about the clones. I, I, 
I don't care about these peripheral characters. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, been a big thing. Like, Brandon and give, I love clones. You hate the clones. <laughs> yeah. G- give me give me Anakin. Give me Darth yeah. Vader. That's what I care. Yeah. Give me Ahsoka. That's what I care. Hell, give me give me Sabine. I even like Sabine. But stop feeding me Ezra and, and, and the clones and all these other peripheral characters. I can't even remember their names. Like, what's her name? Uh, Bo-Katan. Like, yeah, she, she's fine. She was fine in Clone Wars as a as – a, but, you know, like – enough to g- give me some meat give me the give me the good characters i care about and, and give them a meaningful story arc and and if you can't do that within the established timeline that you've already picked clean then move to a different era and do old republic or whatever this you know series is going to be and make it have consequences give us main characters we care about with real stakes and consequences but but trying to pick peripheral characters out of an existing timeline where no matter how much you try to prop them up or develop them they're never going to be the central figures in the, in the story. Um, you know, I just don't care. I don't have time for Ezra. I don't have time or interest for Ezra. I just don't, you know, now Ahsoka is the exception to the rule. She worked, uh, yeah. but that's, they haven't been able to recreate that magic with any of these other characters for me. Yeah. See that. Hence the division in the star Wars fans. Ugh. It's <laughs> like you said, let's take it one step at a time and see if they have learned from some of that. I think that obviously there are fans that love it. There's fans that hate it. And this, this is tough. They're, they're in a, they're in a rough spot and some of it is of their own making. It's that simple. Some of it is absolutely of their own making and some of it is us. So uh, we'll have to see, but star Wars will continue to be this bone of contention, even between the fans moving on. Cause I do want to get to Paul's uh, I want to get to his subjects at the end here too. Uh, let's talk about a video game. And I think most of us, on the Exiles, who are gamers, we love the mo- the game Last of Us. And we have been itching mm-hmm. for anything that comes out about The Last of Us Part Two. This game, for so many of us, is the closest we're going to get to playing a cinematic experience. Um, obviously, there's going to be a couple other games that come close, but there is something about The Last of Us that touches all of us. Great story, great voice acting. The graphics are incredible. It's scary. It's emotional. It's sad. It's even funny at times. Just a fantastic journey from beginning to end that quest makes us question, I think, humanity. Last of Us is just a wonderful game. Now we're learning that Last of Us 2 finally has a release date. As of the recording of this particular pod, it is supposed to be released on June 19th after being delayed indefinitely for a while in April due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's had an interesting road in the last couple of weeks that I definitely want to at least hear first from Lupe what he has to say because we did get a beautiful trailer in the last two days and according to a couple of websites it quote-unquote apparently confirmed some plot leaks so let me give you guys the story real quick i'll try to keep it short this is a combination of inverse polygon and Eurogamer. if you guys are interested on may 3rd what's up oh i thought so on um, may 3rd uh reports came through from bloomberg's jason cider uh, revealing that a specific vulnerability left Naughty Dog open to hackers, and it eventually resulted in a major part of Last of Us Part Two getting leaked. It was about a terabyte worth of dump data. It was crazy. In a quote, they said hackers found a security vulnerability in a patch for the older Naughty Dog game in an older Naughty Dog game, and used it to get access to Naughty Dog's servers. I think the footage that leaked is from the developers playing an early build. Most importantly, rumors of this being an act of protest by a contractor whose pay was robbed are simply not true. All of this came after Sony announced this past Friday that the company had, quote unquote, identified the primary individuals responsible and confirmed that they were not affiliated with Naughty Dog, which, of course, leads people to ask what even led to the leak in the first place. So there's a couple of vague comments here about why the leak happened. Uh, People from Sony 
and others have revealed that a hacker group basically found their way to access Amazon st- servers that stored data for games like Uncharted 3 and, of course, the original Last of Us, which is a little crazy. Um, they also, one final note that said, while this hacker group is connected to the original leak, their circle is more than just Naughty Dog enthusiasts, like development content from their games rather than malicious actors. So while the fan group itself wasn't responsible for the leak, someone cognizant of what they were doing most certainly was. So basically, in a nutshell, after that leak came out, I want to be very clear. I have not read a damn thing about the leaks themselves. I've read the story surrounding the leak i have made sure not because i do not want to be spoiled from this mm-hmm. at all I do not. so you're the same thank you i'm glad same. you feel the same way but what this has sparked is a firestorm on social media and i've seen it on twitter i've seen it on facebook i've seen it in a bunch of other places as well and i want to ask you guys what this says about fandom in general because for me If you saw the arguments online, so I can speak for myself here, and then I want to hear what you guys have to say. I saw pro-SJW versus anti-SJW. That was like the big thing I saw online. Mm -hmm. Something that had to do with Ellie and her story and how it related to Joel. Once I started seeing that, I muted it. But this is the latest in a string of major leaks that have come out to name just a couple. Endgame, Game of Thrones, Star Wars. That's just a few. And people who leak this stuff many times on Reddit, 4chan, a couple of other places, they claim to be fans. They quote-unquote claim, I say. And then these fans, they don't approve of certain plot points, characters, or maybe they even have an agenda. So these leaks seem like they have a very specific agenda to me, and to me, it's almost like they're meant to poison the experience at all. So, I mean, for all. We don't know what the leaker's motivation was. We don't know if it was basically fans, a group of hackers, or just people that wanted to sow some discord, or if they don't like the direction that the franchise is going, so now they can destroy the experience for others. I often wonder, by the way, I'm just going to throw this out there, would fans hate something so much if they didn't see the leak beforehand? There was the bullshit that happened with Rise of Skywalker, with that coming out first, and people piled on the hate immediately, and I wondered if it just would have done its thing when the movie came out. Still would have been divisive. People still would have hated it, but I wonder if the hate train that got piled onto it beforehand would have really happened if it would have been so deep if we didn't get that leak beforehand and then that narrative that came out behind around the leak. The fans or that group became gatekeepers, and to me, it's a really dark side of the fandom. I've said my piece. I want to hear what you guys have to say now, and I'll, I'll just I'll just hear what you have. So we'll start with Lupe. All right. So um, I'm going to... T- take a different different approach to this um i okay so i'm very disappointed in the controversy i'm very disappointed in how it's going to distract from what should be a pleasant experience we've been very patient for this (laughs) we really have dude we really have been very patient and it's sad that it's as if like this is our reward. Like right. after all these right. years of waiting, we're being rewarded with something that's gonna be mired in controversy and there's gonna be tribalism and there's gonna be negative stuff and you know, can't we just have good things? And there are two sides to this. So there's the side of of, of fandom and the side of of um, you know, you have the people who leaked it because they didn't like the direction that it was going in. They didn't like, maybe it was like the script or the quote-unquote SJW stuff. Then you have the side of the creators. Yeah. And they also have a part part to share in the blame in this. One, they just took too damn long. And I know 
that people are going to be like, what do you mean by they took too long? Like, they should be able to take whatever time it is. You know, um, I think that the sense that I began to to get, especially lately, was was that they were they were perfecting it a bit too much. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Kind of like, and also they were taking, do I want to say advantage, but a little bit advantage of the fact that people want this game so much and they want it to be so great that they are going to wait for it. So uh, I know it's a weird thing to say, but it's just a sense that I got with the delays and, and the tone of, of the press releases in terms of how they're delayed. And, and it's like, games do take a long time to me, but it's been, what, seven years? Basically. I, You know what? That's a good question. I should find out when the first Last of Us came out. You might be right. Like, like, yeah, please, please go ahead while I continue. So it's been like so long. And you're trying to tell me that it really takes, it didn't take that long to make the first one. No. So what is taking so long? I mean, this, maybe the story is bigger. You're doing more things. Yes, but... At the same time, you should be you should put it out in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. For this reason, when you delay things and delay them and delay them, you're gonna get people who are gonna lose patience with you. That's yeah. just life. And I'm I'm what I'm talking about is I'm not necessarily even saying that they're wrong for delaying it, but you have to be conversant of the emotions of your your audience. You have to be aware of the behavioral science. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like anything in life, people will 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 have faith in you and they'll give you a bit of a rope. But if you continue to push it and push it and push it, they're gonna run out of patience, and that patience is gonna turn into animosity. And I think that's kind of part of what's playing into this: the fact that people have just gotten tired of just waiting, and it's just like whatever. Where you know. Yeah. But then you also have the the quote unquote SJW you know stuff that's going on. I know a little bit of what's going on, and I've said this like whether you like it or not, people are not okay with taking franchises and taking them into a direction that's either female leaning or. POC or you have to be careful with properties. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a property that's female led and female driven and all that stuff, your best bet is to do that from the onset. Start with that. And people will, people will probably like it. But if you're going to do that midstream and make a hard left, you're courting controversy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're right or they're wrong, but, I think it's time that creators started to learn that lesson. We see it happen in movies all the time. We see it happen. We've seen it happen. There's so many examples of, of, of things that have just become like so controversial because of that. And I'm with the agenda. I love female driven stories. And I feel that there should be more stories for people of color, for, for women, for people of a different sexual orientation that's you know not the the standard uh stuff that we've seen for aeons it's time that we started telling these stories and and showing how how prevalent these people are in our society and how normal and and how how wonderful their stories and their their relationships are but you have 
to be careful how you do it. Because as I've said before, part of giving a message is being aware of how you're telling that message. And if you don't tell that message the right way, you're going to, it's it's a self, it's almost like you're defeating yourself. And so yeah. you need to be more tactful and more strategic. And, you know, just take a look at the landscape and see what's been going on and see how, how you can tell your stories. Because I, I've looked at the landscape and, for example, like you can't say that people don't like female-led stories no. or stories no, yeah. with, with, with people of colors or stories with gay characters or transgender characters. That's not true. A lot of these stories do really well. But where you run into trouble is when it's been one way and then you make a hard left and turn it into that. Then you get this controversy, right or wrong. I'm not saying anyone is right. Anyone is wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. And I feel like, uh, I feel like you know, Naughty Dog should have. Um, they, they should have. They should have. They should have probably been a little bit more conversant about that. And I know some of the story arcs in this, and um, I think one it's it's probably a little bit overblown and people are reaching, but it's a confluence of events. And I think that it first starts with the fact that they delayed this for just way yeah. too... It's just... I mean, the, 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 the number of delays is just... And it, it, should be a, it should be a lesson for other creators. Do not push the limits. I'm not sure if I've ever seen any AAA game that has been delayed this much, in which they've tested the audience's faith and really been so overconfident in the ability of people to wait with bated breath for their property. Yeah, and you, um, by the way, you asked before, it is 2013. That's when okay. that's when Last of Us 1 go. came out. Seven, it is seven years. years. Seven and, years. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I have to say. I think both, both sides have lessons to learn. Definitely with fans and leaking stuff and that, like, Fans are fans are terrible. Fans We're are just, bad. We're yeah, just bad. Fans, I mean, yeah. but but I mean, but the truth of the matter is that we know this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the I, thing. I like this is something that that these. That's why I'm looking at like God of War is another big one that's coming out, and they need to be really careful. Like like stuff that's coming out like Halo. I think that that creators and all this, they really need to look at the landscape and know know what they're doing and um. And yeah, and go forward from there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll pl I'll play it with with an open mind. I kind of know what goes on. I just hope, I just hope that the all the contra. I hope it's overblown. I really do hope so. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm I'm mean, sad that that this forced their hand into reveal into revealing the release dates. That's that's another thing that I'm looking and another thing where I'm saying like Naughty Dog does have some part to blame in this oh, why sure. didn't they, yeah. why didn't they why didn't they announce this release date before this why was it this that had to force their hand into damage control why did they have so much faith and take their audience for granted the goodwill of their audience for granted so much that you know that that they didn't say oh you guys you know we know you've been patient with us don't worry it's coming out on this day why do you have to be this controversial horrible episode to to force their their hand into into that it's just the whole thing is sad because this is it's such a it's such a great franchise, and I really I really don't want this franchise to begin to go through the controversy and the rubbish that we've seen in a lot, in a lot of other franchises. 
Yeah, and I think you raised a couple of good points there. It is it is an extremely long time to wait, and I think that we all know how much we loved the original one and the add-ons. There was some great downloadable content that came out with that, and it looks like we're going to get great downloadable content with this as well to stretch out the story, to stretch out the game. There'll be a lot more here. It looks The first one was very mature. It looks like this one will be more so, um, and I am very quick. I will admit it. I know my faults. I'm very quick to blame fans, and I am a fan, uh, and I'm very quick to blame us as a group. Uh, but the corporation, you're right, has absolutely has to shoulder their blame in this one, and they have to shoulder their part of it. And it, you don't want to do that if you, you know, like some of the things with Star Wars that Paul and I disagree on. We both agree how much we love Ahsoka Tano, and that is a strong female character that was created in Star Wars. So this has nothing to do with that. That's not what it has to do with that. I know what you're saying. It's it's when you take something and then you you, you suddenly go off the reservation mm-hmm. with it. That yeah, you know, create it for what it is, and we'll love it. We'll we'll suck it up. Mm-hmm. Now. Paul, I know you're not as much of a gamer, but you've heard about Last of Us. You've seen it. I, I'm taking it for granted you may have played the first one. So I want to hear what you have to say here. No, I, I, so I've not played the first one. Okay. Um, I have very little knowledge of the game or the character, so I don't have a whole lot to add here. I don't know what the leaks are. Um, but, you know, with any of these typical, uh, you know, SJW versus, um, you know, versus <laughs> not SJW debates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you could see both sides. Um sure. Sure. You know, the from what you know, one thing I've learned on Twitter over the last few years is that some of these SJWs are obnoxious, yeah. and uh, you know, and it's it's kind of the um, you know, it's they're kind of wrapped up with the, the cancel culture and the PC police and the virtue signalers, it's all this kind of the same group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, sometimes underneath all that vitriol, there are some valid points, uh, it's just the way they go about it, like you said, Lupe, it's, it's how the message is delivered. And um, and I think that rubs people the wrong way. I mean, I know personally one of the things that kind of rubs me the wrong way is when the the agenda or the uh, representation takes priority over the story and it becomes the end goal and the measure by which uh, success is determined. Mm-hmm. And that I think frustrates people. Um, you know, and and I think it's counterproductive to the goal. Uh, now that being said, you know, with things like Ray and Star Wars, I mean, I was really happy to have a female-led uh, Star Wars trilogy uh you know something that i could introduce my daughter to and and for the first movie it worked i mean you can see why they were doing it they wanted to make it accessible to a different audience and uh kids loved the force awakens my daughter was right into it uh last jedi killed that and and it never came back i mean with the last movie my daughter said she enjoyed it but she's like dad kids don't like star wars anymore like it came and went with with the force awakens the um and, and it sort of killed off the character. Now, Ray was not especially well-developed, but she was a likable character. And by the time the trilogy was done, they did their best to sort of, um, you know, patch over and explain how she was so powerful so quick. And it was a convincing, and maybe not, but but they tried at least. Give them give them points for trying, right? So it, it's in the execution, right? If, if they made her earn it a little bit more, made her uh, – a you know, not so powerful right off the bat, have a little bit more of a, a natural character arc. And, in, in, uh, you know, I think it could have been done a little better, but but you certainly see why people do things like that. Now, I don't know what the specific issue is with The Last of Us 2, um, you know, so I can't really comment on that specifically. All I can say is that you can see both sides and I can understand frustrations when, when agenda becomes the priority, but you can also understand where some of these things come from. So, you know, without knowing the specifics, there's probably no point to me adding anything more to that conversation. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to everybody is please, if you haven't already, just stay away from the fucking leaks. Jesus yeah. Christ. Just don't, don't, yeah. don't read shit. 
<laughs> just do and, go, and also go go with an open mind you know yeah go with an open go mind with an open mind and and um be be a little bit more sensitive mm-hmm. to the desires of 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 people who haven't had their stories told i mean there's two sides to it because don't get as paul said a lot of these people who want whether it's poc or or lgbtq or female stories sometimes they're really obnoxious really like there are people i know who have accounts who is like oh um it's the age of women and we don't need men and it's and they have a very divisive message but there are people who who are just like you know what i just want to see more female stories yeah i'm also like that i love I love that sentiment. We should see as many female stories as male female stories. Um, and people need to be sort of sensitive to to that to to that desire and and you know be a be a little bit you know empathetic. Obviously, when it's obnoxious and it's a divisive, sort of toxic feminist or toxic LGBTQ or toxic POC agenda. Then I can't I can't vouch for it and encourage anyone to to you know champion anything that's divisive, but we all but that, deserve to have our stories heard and people should be a little bit sensitive to it. So you to, it may not it may not be poorly done in the story. It may be organic and it may it may um it may work. Although there's there's a spoiler that I've seen that seems to be. Interesting, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, well, you know, so sometimes sometimes it's the narratives that accompany these things. It's not even the fault of the art itself. It's it's the fault of the narratives that accompany them. Like, look at Birds of Prey. I mean, uh, the narratives were were more obnoxious than the film itself, right? right. Like, yeah. and and the conversation around it, right? So it, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's thing, it's, you know, the, it's the right. aggressiveness. Yeah, which, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm listening. No, no, I was just gonna say it's, it's the aggressiveness with which these agendas are pushed, and it's and it's when the one thing that blew me away about social media and Twitter is when, when people put out tweets hating white people or hating white men, you're getting tens and thousands of likes, like on these outright like hateful tweets. Like there's no, a real animosity yeah. towards white men out there. I, know, I was. It's, it's not. It's not. It blew me away. That. Like it's in. It's in so many different different. Um, different iterations we even have it um you know people who are you know about like you know gay agenda and saying like oh it's 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 i I don't want to get too much into it because i'm all sensitive to to the struggles of that community but i think that like anything it can be done in a in a in a bad way people need to be able to find balance and we all need to love each other we all need to remember that we're all in this together. Yes, you may have been wrong, but if you want a world in which your side is taken over and you're pushing people, then you're just as bad, as selfish, and as um, as discriminatory as the side that you were saying was horrible. You know, we should celebrate each other. And um, so, like me on social media right now, I don't follow or 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 engage with anyone who has a divisive message. Um, I just, I just don't like, I used to, because I, I used to follow like a bunch of people and they were, you know, I followed some people who were like feminists and every other post would be about how men are trash and a woman. And it's like, 
I, I'm not here for that. Like, I'm not your therapist. I, I, I celebrate women and I want to have to put out messages that are inclusive of everybody. And I feel like that's the way we should all be. Social media is it's 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 bred a very toxic strain of of uh, social activism. It's, yeah, and it's, it's very yeah very simple for us to hide behind our smartphones or our laptops and say this stuff and not worry about oh, it. Yeah. And you know, you you mentioned uh, Paul mentioned Ray and everything. Like, I love her character. I think she's fantastic in Star Wars. But guess what? A, it's okay to hate her. That's number one. But mm-hmm. what's not okay is when people use her, whether the company's doing it, because we know they do it, or there's people using her for their own agenda and using it for their own toxicity, toxicity and use it. That's when shit hits the fan. That's when stuff goes downhill. And you, you are stopping a conversation at that point, and all you're doing is sowing everything negative that we've been talking about. Um, yeah, and everything that you just mentioned, Lupe, is 100% correct. I think movies, you want to see with POC, absolutely. I love Black Panther because it was Black Panther, but I have friends that are persons of color that said, yeah, but Chris, you don't understand why that movie meant a little more to me. I'm like, you're probably right. I don't get it. You're right. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I'm not going to cross that boundary. But it's things like that. But when it's used for something else, yeah, we can get into a really dark place um, when we should be trying to help one another, especially in a time like this. We should be trying to see things from each other's viewpoint, especially somebody like me, I should be trying to see it from that viewpoint, but not from that toxic angle. That's, yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't work. Doesn't, it, it really, it really doesn't. I just, um, I just hope that, you know, we, we all learn and, and we can all come together and there can be, you know, more, more unity because um, whenever I see all those messages of, Oh, white men are horrible or it's just, it like, even me, I cringe at it because I'm like, that's just, you like, well, as I said, it's about messaging. You got to be smart. Like you're not going to win anyone over to your side by attacking them. You're not. Like even if you're right, even if you're right, even if we say, okay, history shows us that this, 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 this. But you got to be tactful. You got to remember not everyone is the same. You got to leave room for people to have a redemption story and come over to your side. And you got to. So, I mean, you know. I still don't even know what a cis white male is. I don't know what cis stands for. I'm pretty sure I am one. But what I have learned is, is oh, my God, are they hated? Like, oh, there's nothing funny. more vile than the cis white male. Holy shit. Like, what Christian alluded to is that talking about people hiding behind screens and all that sort of thing is that how come we never meet any of these people in real life? Yeah. 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 Holy crap. I'm telling you, they come on social media and they talk all of this stuff but in real life they dare not open their mouth and spew all right. of this because right. they know that it's not conducive for getting along with people it's no. not conducive for human interaction in, in in the real world it's not respectful it's not polite you know so they don't they don't do it in the in the real world they don't but then they get on social media and it's i hate man blah 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 but then they meet you outside and they they act like regular human beings, so yeah. that's why I, I I'm not a fan of social media, um, social activism. I I I I I look upon it with disdain, and um, I'm just I'm not a fan of it at all. At all. I agree. 
that led into a really that was a deep conversation. I feel bad, uh, Paul. You got a couple things you want to bring up, so I think we'll end it there. But that that was good stuff, guys. That was good stuff. Uh, all right. On a slightly lighter note, I get to uh, I get to show for Disney three topics in a row. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you shill. <laughs> and, and all kidding aside, I am uh, I am a Disney shill. So <laughs> let me uh, let me start with National Treasure. So I, I really enjoyed the first two National Treasure movies. They're a little more lighthearted than uh, well, you know, even Indiana Jones is lighthearted, but you know, maybe a little more goofy. But uh, but you know, they're fun. They're fun family adventure movies. And apparently, um, Jerry Bruckheimer was recently interviewed by Collider, um, uh, talking about a new series for Stars called Hightown. And he was asked about National Treasure. He revealed Wait, that they are one second before yeah. you go on. Hightown, do you, do you know what it is? I don't know anything about it. Uh, okay, I just I have to research that because, in case you guys didn't know, Jerry Berkheimer was the producer of Black Sails. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So whenever I hear that he's gonna, he's, his name is behind anything. There's Black Sails again. On, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I have to. I have to research this. So, um, yeah, that's just an aside. Yeah, look, look it up. Let us know what you find. Um, yeah, so, so, so he revealed that they're not only planning a National Treasure 3 for theatrical release, but they're also planning a Disney Plus uh, TV series. So he's quoted here as saying, uh, we're certainly working on one uh, for streaming, and we're working on one for the big screen. Hopefully they'll both come together and we'll bring you another National Treasure, but they're both very active. The one for Disney Plus is a much younger cast. It's the same concept, but a young cast. The one for theatrical would be the same cast. Um, now, sorry, when he says the same cast, um, I think he means the same as the original theatrical releases, one and two, and not the same cast as the Disney Plus series. But I'm not sure about now that now that I reread it. Um, so anyway, he goes on to say that uh, the film version is being written right now. The television version is in process. We've done a pilot script and an outline for the future episodes. So. So they're they've moved on. Uh, I guess they're I shouldn't say moved on, but they're they're fairly far along in the process for the um, for the television series. So uh, this interests me. This is something that um, I I definitely be interested in. Probably more so the movie than the series. But uh, uh, you know what? I'd, I'd watch the series. I'll give it a chance. What uh, what what do you guys think? Does this interest you guys at all? Is this do you guys have any um, affection for the first two films? Well, uh, you you know what? Let me let me let me just. Uh, dive right in when the first two films came out I wasn't I wouldn't say I was old enough to be able to appraise films on any level with, with substance I can remember they were popular and I can remember enjoying them I, I, I know that they had a lot of um, a lot of <laughs> you know these weird clues about monuments <laughs> and these conspiracies. So I can just, like, it's a little bit ridiculous, but I like adventure movies. I love um, treasure, you know, seeking movies. Um, so you guys know, Black Sails also has, like, treasure. <laughs> in- <laughs> I had to drop that in there. Um, does, does, does Black Sails tie fantasy in with real real history no. and real historical <laughs> artifacts? Because that's one of the things I like about National Treasure. I, yeah. even, even, if, even if it's ridiculous, I like that they tie it into real things. It helps it, you suspend disbelief, right? No, no you, like when you guys watch it, the, it's, it's so uniquely done because what they do is that it's told like a historical epic, but it's fantastical. But there are no fantastical elements. So what I can say is if you're really – 
if you really know Game of Thrones, when Game of Thrones first started, we weren't even sure if there was going to be any magic in it. because And that's because they actually didn't have the budget to do magic. Yeah. So there were a couple uh, seasons even, I think maybe the first and second season, where you just there was no magic, period. Um, and it feels like that. And then also they use historical pirates. So they're actually mixing like real life history with a fantasy world that they that they've created, and they use uh, characters from Treasure Island. So Long John Silver is there, um, Captain Jack Flint is there, but then they have real life um, pirates like Jack Rackham and and Bonnie and Blackbeard, and, and those are like actual pirates. Like you can go look in history books about them. So they mix them up, then. They have like this pirate Nirvana, which is a fancy for pirates. It's called Nassau, which is just pirate folklore, a secret island where, you know, they can go and be away from everyone else. It's there. And it's just, it's, it's incredible, incredible. Like, I wish I'd never seen it so I can watch it for the first time again. That's how good it is. Um, but talking about, about what, going back to what, what we're talking about. Um, yeah. I, I guess I'm going to wait to see what you guys think about it. I'm not like super excited and super pumped, but I do feel like these are the type of things that I like when Disney does, if that makes, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I am, I am tentatively looking forward to it, but not super, super like hyped up on it. Yeah, I think I think this is where Disney shines, uh, you know, with these with these kind of things. And, you know, I wouldn't there's certain franchises that I love that I would not want the Disney treatment applied to uh, DC being one of them. But when mm -hmm. it's when it's not a franchise that I have a real affinity for and Disney can just take these things and make them in their sort of style. I, I really enjoy these things. These are fun family entertainment uh, that, you know, I think everyone can enjoy. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. what brings in when it works. Um those are a lot of fun, and they make a lot of money. So, uh, you know, hope for the best on this one, at least me personally. Uh, Christian, what are your thoughts on this one? Do you have any, uh, you know, appreciation for the earlier films? Appreciation, definitely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like Lupe. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm waiting with bated breath uh, for this thing to come out. But it's not a negative either. I think the first two movies are a lot of friggin' fun. Um, Nicolas Cage overacts in basically everything that he does. But he, br he bought a – there was just something about him in the first two movies that I really liked. Uh, he was, he was fun. He was, he wasn't like overly cocky. He bought that kind of goofiness to it, but he was also the smartest guy in the room at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of quasi Indiana Jones, like Paul said, but you know, without the archeologist kind of part of it. And it's just it. And it was also updated to today because Indiana Jones back in the 1930s, whatever. But mm -hmm. so still definitely two fun movies. Um, you know, we can go into another conversation in another day that this is, you know, Disney milking another IP that they have and potentially trying to turn it now into a series. But I will say this, having another movie with that original cast would probably be the proper mix of nostalgia and action and adventure and comedy to definitely get me to go see the movie. And I think a lot of other people would go to see it, too. I think they'd pay to go see that. However, this might be the right way to make a Disney Plus show. Disney Plus, as it is, is already geared towards a younger audience or the audience that likes Star Wars, Marvel, stuff like that. So it's already geared toward that audience anyway. 
and you might make this little like adventure show that that has a younger crowd to it and they can go on to different treasure hunts shit you might even get me into that as long as it's not like a disney saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. so you know as long as it's not you know miley cyrus jumping in there for hannah montana part two does national treasure yeah <laughs> then i'm i'm gonna be fine with it so i i think this is good all around i'll i'll just say yeah you i'm not gonna sit here and wait a bated breath for it to come out but highly entertaining to movies and Bruckheimer, like you said, he, he's a good guy to do this. He's absolutely a good guy to do this. So, and and this seems like a really cool idea for a show. So it just depends on how they execute it, but definitely seems like a cool idea for a show. A lot of fun. All right. Well, next next up on our Disney uh, trifecta here is a <laughs> rumored uh, Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. Uh, now, there's been rumors of this for a while. They sort of waffled on, you know, what's going to happen with the future of uh, Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow and whether or not they're going to continue on with him or reboot. Uh, but most recently, now this is a report from an insider, well, from from Daniel RPK, Daniel Rickman, who um, you know we I think people have different uh, opinions on the the validity of some of his scoops. But this particular one was reported, uh, at least I saw reported by Skyler Schuler of the Diz Insider, uh, who corroborates some of these rumors, and it, and it seems pretty plausible. So so basically, they're saying that they're going to reboot it um, with. Uh, Karen Gillan in the uh, are being eyed as the uh, as the female lead uh, for this film, and she um, was uh, probably most recognizable in the Jumanji movies. And um, and I guess she's is she Nebula in the Avengers? Is that who she is? Yes, uh, she's Nebula okay. in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's Sorry, Guardians true. of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I mean. So so she's got some ties to Disney already. She's a well known um, you know popular actress, and. Well, the other thing that makes this plausible is that there is a, um, a character on the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction called Red, um, mm-hmm. who is a, obviously a redheaded woman. Um, she was previously a woman being auctioned off, um, and then they've updated that to make her a pirate auctioneer. Um, so, you know, to keep it a little more politically correct uh, with the times. So it would be – it would seem likely – that perhaps that's the character they're going to base her character on is, is this red character from the, from the Disney ride. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I really liked Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, he really is the franchise, uh, but that said, we've had what five movies of him, And, and it seems like, you know, the last couple, the, you know, they, they've all had their merits. I haven't hated any of them. I found them all entertaining, but it, it, it does seem like at times, like they're just mailing it in, like they don't have any great, <laughs> <laughs> Great ideas left, you know. Uh, so, so maybe it is time for a, a fresh take. Although I will miss Johnny Depp, um, you know. And but, but you know, with this Karen Gillan as a female lead, I mean, obviously, I don't think she can pull off anything like what Johnny Depp did. Nor would I want to see her try. Uh, but maybe there's a good story to be told. Yeah. So, guys, what what are your thoughts uh, on this? Do you think this could work, or uh, or do you think that they should just give this franchise a break and uh, and let it breathe or or do you think they they should have stuck with Johnny Depp and kept kept going down that road what uh, what are your thoughts Christian you want to you want to give us your thoughts on this first well I'm like you I, I find the Pirates series to be pretty entertaining it's it's probably got to the point with Dead Men Tell No Tales where it ran its course at that point although I have found that movie to be pretty entertaining as well and it also had a really awesome ending that kind of put a little bow tie on the entire series especially for orlando bloom and uh and his character and and everything so that i and kira knightley so it had a wonderful ending with them and it i don't know how much more you can say about you know johnny depp's a weird dude but he bought a ton of charisma to jack sparrow and he basically created that character i mean he, he said he saw and so did the producers 
the pirates as modern day rock stars. So that's why he kind of modeled his character off Mick Jagger. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he had the whole like rock star thing kind of going on there and he helped to create Jack Sparrow's look, but you know, Johnny Depp's kind of getting up there. Like how much longer can we have like Jack Sparrow being like a geriatric guy still going on like the high seas and everything. It's going to get a little fucked up. So they got two options. The movies still make a decent amount of money. The last one didn't make as much as before, but you're looking at six, seven hundred million dollars. So this is still a pretty good franchise. You either milk him. It's still money, right? Look, you either milk him or you think about where you can possibly go in the future. And I know I'm going to hear, not you guys, but I know we're going to hear online arguments about, well, no, it's a girl. <laughs> it, 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 he was, it doesn't matter. It's an entirely new character. It probably has nothing to do with him whatsoever. And who knows, he might even have a cameo for all we know. That We have no idea if that's what they're going to go. It probably makes sense. Again, they want to try to bring in a couple new fans. Disney's known for trying to milk these franchises. They want to make money. That's what they do. You know it's going to be a well-made film. It's going to look good. You know, so all these movies have looked good. Jerry Bruckheimer is a beast with that stuff. The movie's going to look okay. Um can they bring – are they going to make something that makes everybody want to come out of the theaters? At this point, I just don't know. It's a franchise whose best days are probably behind them. But this is an interesting way, especially with someone who has a Marvel name now, You know, when you're, when you're looking at the actress who played Nebula. Um, maybe this is a good way to do it. It's possibly a good way to do it. So interesting news for a franchise that might need a little bit new life. Lupe? Um, all right. So if I was the producer – what I'll do is I'll say, let's take Johnny Depp, have Johnny Depp in this movie, mm-hmm. and and Karen Gillan, the actress as Thank well. You. Gillen. And, Thank you. And then let's um let's make it a transition story. So it could be something like she's his daughter. <laughs> like mm-hmm. as we know it's possible. Sure. From, from who Jack Sparrow is and his um his uh, adventures on the high seas. It's possible that he has a daughter somewhere. Several. And it, several. As a matter of fact, I would be surprised if it was just her. And Savvy. it could be it could be a situation where um you know you you could have a fun story of father and daughter, you know, going on on an adventure, and in the end, um Jack Sparrow either retires um or something like that, but basically he hands the he hands the reins to her, and then you start a new franchise with her and some other characters. That's the first thing I would do. If you do that, you're going to avoid all the stuff about SJW and all that controversy that tends to come when you make these hard lefts. Because no matter what anyone says, let's not forget that it's Jack Sparrow that made this franchise into the behemoth that it was. That's just that's just the way it is. And I've, as I've said with these things... You run into troubles when you make those hard lefts with changing characters, whether it's the race, the identity, the sexual orientation, whatever it is. So if you're going to do it, you're going to want to do it with tact, being very smart, being very strategic. And if they did that, I'm telling you, like, people will buy into it and you'll be a huge success and you have a female-led you know, uh, franchise. And they also, they need to set their expectations right. Times have changed. Yeah. Times have yeah. changed. You can't expect anything that's not massive superhero stuff to make a billion. It can, 
but you can't expect if you don't make a billion, if you make like 500 million, 600, you should be happy, really, because the, the environment, the, the structure of, of, of the economics is just, it's, it's a completely different time. So when I see uh, film franchises being disappointed, like, oh, we made 500 million, we have to reboot. It's like, you're, you're living in la-la land. Like, setting a billion as the bar is just, it's, 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 it's unrealistic. And it might be a case where, where, where when they walk into the studios and, and, and investor meetings and they're trying to, you know, get money, they're selling them the, this, this, this dream just to get the money. So let's just lie to them. That's going to make a billion dollars and then they'll give us the money. And then, you know, we'll go from there. And, but part of it also is that because superhero movies exist and investor money is chasing profits. If you come to an investor and say, um, if you invest in this movie, you're only going to get a uh, one point, you know, 1.2 return. But if you invest in a superhero movie, you're going to get like twice your money or something like that. Like all the money is going to go to the superhero stuff. And so that those are the issues that we talk about when we talk about how there is there, how superhero movies are affecting cinema in a, in a negative way, because they're leading to all these kind of issues where other stories can be told because they're not getting the investment or they're having the expectations be so high that if it doesn't meet the standard, it's going to be rebooted. And then they have to do all these things and compromise the story to make it more in a particular way. So anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. But if I was a producer, those are the two things that that I think are going to be important for this to be a success. I do want to see it. I do want to see uh, the franchise going. I enjoyed the last one. Didn't think it was the greatest thing ever. Definitely didn't think it was bad at all, even though it got it bad enjoyable. reviews. Yeah, yeah which, and it got bad reviews, which is part of the issue that we're having these days. It's like critics are only reviewing certain things well. And when I say certain things, I mean Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to yeah. blockbusters, um, it's very rare for any other blockbuster. Apart from, it's either you're a Marvel movie or your female-led or POC or LGBT. Those, if you have those four, mm-hmm. you're most likely going to have. But everything else, it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, and yeah. and we need to we need to critics. They need to allow stories to be told. And uh, those are so basically that's that's my take on it. I, I really hope that that they that they're smart about it because. If they just make a hard left and just make it like, oh, it's going to be the new female, blah, 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 you're going to get the same old controversy again. And then it's going to get into fights in which, oh, guys, they're misogynist. <laughs> and they get even more upset. And then it's going to be a huge, you know, fight. And we can't just enjoy a good story. So the creators, you have to be smart. Read, read the room and move with wisdom. All right. So that brings us to our last. Uh, topic and this is one I think is is pretty exciting. Uh, so Walt Disney Studios has found its next live action remake of an animated mm-hmm. film, and that is going to be Hercules. So uh, I believe the first Hercules was the animated Hercules was 1997 or so, if it I'm was. not mistaken. Yeah, so it, it was, was it was towards the uh, the end of the of the animated uh, period as we as we moved into sort of the rise of digital animation. 
Um, so this is going to be a, a live-action film. Um, apparently, they've chosen Jeffrey Silver, who's uh, been associated with The Lion King and Tron Legacy, uh, one of my personal favorites, and Karen Gilchrist, uh, who's been associated with Lion King and The Mandalorian. They're going to produce it. Um, there, It's expected to be a theatrical release, not a Disney Plus original. Um, and it's going to feature, it's expected at least to feature songs from the original animated film, uh, with some new ones also being added. So, um, you know, right off the bat, I mean, that, that interests me. I'm, I'm excited to hear what they're going to do. Um, now, this article, again, this is from the Diz Insider as well, uh, mentions that they've heard three names rumored to be attached uh, for potential director, uh, not confirmed by any means. And um, as far as they know, there's been no formal discussions at this point. Uh, first is John Favreau, uh, who did the live-action remake of Jungle Book and Lion King, and is uh, obviously in uh, good graces of Disney from his Marvel films as well. Uh, secondly, you've got uh, the Russo brothers, um, and and there's a little more on them to come in a second. And thirdly, uh, Gore, Gore Verbinski, who directed uh, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean films and mm-hmm. also The Lone Ranger, which um, I've actually not seen The Lone Ranger, but I was thinking about going back and finally checking it out. Now, lastly, this article was later uh, or this scoop i guess was later confirmed by the hollywood reporter um that you know they confirmed that hercules is going to be coming to the big screen they added that dave callaham uh who's uh, i believe he's the writer one of the writers for wonder woman 1984 um and is also involved with marvel shang chi is going to write the script and the russo brothers are going to produce so um not directing so you know, we still don't know who the director is, but there's enough there to think that this, um, I think that this could turn out pretty well. And I, I'm excited about this, at least based on what we've heard so far. Uh, what What do you guys think? What's your uh, excitement level on this? Or are you just tired of Disney live action movies? What uh, remakes, I should say. Lupe, why don't we start with you on this one? I think we I think we put him to sleep again. Lupe, you. <laughs> no, he's just, Chris, he's on, he's here. on mute. I'm here. There he I'm is. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, now, to be sincere, if you say, oh, Lupe, what's your, you know, number one Disney um, cartoon, whatever. It's actually Hercules. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually Hercules. Although, to be sincere, I just recently found out that there was like a bunch of, like, it's the least, quote unquote, true to Disney one. Because there was a bunch of, like, behind the scenes drama. But regardless of that, I loved it. Part of why I actually love it is because. I love Clash of the Titans. Like I grew up watching Clash of the Titans. So anything with like Greek mythology, Hercules, the Greek pantheon, that's my shit. Yeah, and I that's part I, of I really why, like that stuff. Yeah, that's like part of why I, like I, I really liked what Zack Snyder was doing in terms of his his vision for who Wonder Woman was being this mm-hmm. like mythological yeah, Greco Roman. Tying the old gods in. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I should be excited about this, but I I don't I don't know. I, I've gotten to the stage in which I, I would want something more serious. I would want something more epic, something more mythological. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's not what we're gonna get. Um, I think you're getting so, a musical. <laughs> but you know that's I, not all bad. It's not entirely without its merits. Um, that's just not for me. It's just not. <laughs> for me. Um, and also, I'm kind of a little bit upset or jaded by the fact that Hercules is becoming synonymous with Disney. Hercules is not does not belong to Disney. Does that make sense? When the public consciousness, yeah. Hercules, straight up, it's like Disney. 
And um, no, no, it's it's not. But the the saddest truth about it is that I don't think that a Hercules movie could be made that would be successful, except if it's made by Disney. Well, That's, didn't they try making one with The Rock? I mean, I didn't even see that one, but it, it got yeah, pissed so I, bad. I didn't even I – mean, to be honest, the trailers, yeah. the, the trailers didn't look good either. Right? Because so, he was yeah. wearing a horrible wig. It was, <laughs> it was a joke. He just looked – no, 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 that one was not – that was not – no, no, please, let's not. Let's, let's, I think <laughs> I'm going to that, that I'm going to have to edit that out of this. Out of this. <laughs> Strike it. Strike it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's relevant to the conversation. Keep it in. <laughs> but um, no, I, let's let's act like that never existed. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm not really looking forward to to it. To be sincere, um, not that I think that the Roosters are bad storytellers. For example, they just produced Extraction, which I like. Not the greatest thing ever, but I like uh, the action in it. I have a review of it on the channel. Um, so. They they can produce something that's good, but I just I the type of Hercules that I would want would be like King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, but a Hercules version, basically. That's basically what I would want. Something like yeah. real serious, epic, mythological. Um, and I think it's, this is going to be like you know, family friendly, all inclusive, blah blah blah. And to me. When something appeals to everyone, it doesn't appeal to a specific type of person. And I like a specific vision. Um, so, yeah, that's where I stand on it. Christian, what are your thoughts on this one? I haven't uh, – you guys know this. I haven't really been into the live-action Disney remakes, although I, I really, really liked Beauty and the Beast. I thought that was very good. I recently saw Aladdin and found that to be very middle of the road. Um, people have been pushing me to see some of the other ones. I, I haven't watched them yet. They haven't been into it. Mulan was the one that I was like, holy shit, I want to see yeah. this movie. I'm looking forward to that one too. Yeah, me too. We all I'm are, just, I think, right? I, yeah, I think all three of us were looking forward to that. So, yeah, so much. So, so, I mean, from that aspect, I'm not, you know, like it's not like I'm super excited about it. I, I think that people sometimes look at you know with the same thing that we talked about with td earlier in the pod that's what happens with the russo brothers they're like oh they make mcu crap so i don't look they're actually really not bad they're talented they're not auteurs that's fine but look they're they're just they are good at what they do um and, and so it, there's a decent team here it it, it seems kind of cool um but like Lupe said, I think you got to go into it with the right mindset that that's my thing i think uh we've seen at least it looks like with whatever's coming out with Mulan, that could potentially be a little different. That didn't look like there's going to be any musical elements or anything like that in that movie. And there's no talking dragon. Um, so, you, you know, my guess is we're not going to go that serious with this movie, but they're not going to go as funny as the cartoon. So we probably have to expect some sort of family friendly thing here. Um, but you're not going to necessarily get this deep Greek mythological storytelling from it and stuff. It's going to be a bit Disney fied. And of course, that's what every single one of their cartoons were. They're all Disney fied. You know, they're fun. So, hey, man, it's 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 another one in their their live action. I don't know if you want to call it their quiver. It's another arrow in their quiver. Um I just haven't been a fan of these live action movies. I'm sorry. I don't mean to shit on the on the Disney parade, uh, Paul, because <laughs> I, yeah, you know, you, I know no, you're, you're so not much. you're not alone. I mean, I'm I think I well, it's hard to say. It's hard to say I'm in the minority because you look at the sentiment and most people say they don't like the Disney live action movies, 
but they're making they're all hitting they, a billion they, dollars, they, right? So someone they, must like them. They may. Um, and, and you know what? I, I should watch more of them because you've suggested some to me. Um, and I've also had friends off the you know at the pod too. Who's just been like, bro, you really should be looking at this. this. I'm like, all right, I, I know I should watch them. I think it's just part of me is like I'm, I'm old, so like yeah. I, th- that's my childhood, and it's like, oh man, you're remaking like Lion King was such a classic. Well, when classic. you go like ahead. we were talking about earlier, we'll sort of cut you off, Christian. No, no, you're good. Point, you're good. Like, like we were talking about early in the podcast, you get to relive these movies through the eyes of your kids. Yeah, and I've watched the yeah. animated ones with my daughter, and, and you know what? Some of them are start. I mean, they're all classics, but yeah. but you know they they show their age, and it's nice to clunky. see these things. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to see them modernized and and brought to life. And um, you know, one of the things I loved about comic book movies when I was young was you finally get to see these these animated stories or these hand drawn stories brought to life and and what i always wanted was what would this look like if it was real right and that's why i love serious um comic book movies comic book movies that take themselves seriously and aren't campy jokes um because that's what i always wanted as a kid was just somebody treat this material seriously and and show me what this would look like if it was real and that's all i've wanted and and with these disney live action ones yeah it's still disney but but it brings it to life it modernizes it and and the source material it's it's generally consistent with the source material. Like if you like Beauty and the Beast, it, it's a musical. So yeah, I don't mind yeah. seeing this as a musical when you bring it to life. Uh, same thing with Aladdin, right? If you liked, you know, if you like the Aladdin cartoon and you like the Which Aladdin yeah. and you like the Aladdin stage show, well, then you're probably going to like the Aladdin live action film. It's just one more way to watch that story that you're, um, you know, that that you that you like or love, depending on your you know your your interest level, right? So <laughs> so this is this is one where I, I like the animated film. I know what I'm getting going in. Um, what Lupe describes, I would absolutely love on a personal level. Like, give me a Zack Snyder Hercules, and I'm gonna love that. But um, to go see a movie with my family, if if it's if it's a movie where I'd watch the animated film, then yeah, I'd love to see the same thing in live action, updated, yeah. modernized live action. Gotcha. Sure, why not? Gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Now go on, Christian. No, no, I don't really have a ton to add to it. I just think this is, it's interesting. You know, it's like Lupe said, I think there are a lot of people, Hercules is a weird cartoon. It's it's not, it's not one of the ones that I think people remember up there with the Little Mermaid and some of the others, but it's interesting when you talk to people, they'll go, you'll mention Hercules and they'll go, oh yeah, yeah, you know what, bro, that was funny. You know, they do one of those. So I think it, I think it's got a better memory with people than we think it does. So for one of their live action, totally makes sense. It's probably a little bit different than what they've done before. Uh, but you just got to know what it is when you're going into it. That's all. That's all. And well, it's, it's probably going to be fun. It, I think it gets a little bit of a neg- negative stigma too because uh, it was part of sort of like the the low point for Disney, right? Like yeah, they had a bunch of movies. That, yeah. like, and these are, they're actually really great movies. Like Hercules is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Atlantis was really good. Like I love Atlantis. That flopped as far like relative to other – like you don't hear yeah, anything relative. about it. Yeah. And and one of the ones that I really loved and I'm pretty sure was a complete flop was Treasure Planet. I, I love Treasure yeah, Planet. Treasure Planet was actually not I mean, bad. <laughs> that was a string of really good Disney movies that just did not get any love. Okay. And uh, uh, Atlantis or The Lost City of Atlantis? Is Atlantis the Lost Empire. Yeah. yeah, The Lost Empire is another one yeah. that people, people – yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Atlantis, Treasure Planet, this one, they were all sort of in that late 90s, right up until 2000 when digital took over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it was sort of the death of the hand-drawn movie. But these are still very good movies that just didn't get the love that Disney used to get. And and now when you look back at them, you're like, holy shit, why didn't, you know, why didn't I like that? Yeah. I, why didn't I like that? Why didn't I go watch it then? Well, and I know why I didn't go watch it then because in, you know, 
1990, whatever, 1997, I was 21 years old in university, right? So yeah. I'm not going to go see Animated Hercules, right? So <laughs> no, but, and now I, I still kid, did when I was in college. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was just the wrong time, I guess, in life for me. But now going back at them, I, I'm thinking, you know what, this is really good. And especially watching it with, with you know, with my daughter, you, you get to be a kid again, right? So that, uh, uh, there's a market for these things, and I, I think this one should be good um, if you're okay with what it's going to be. You know. Yeah, yeah. You just got to know what it is. That's all. And I, I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. So I'm with you. All right. So that's that's all I got for my Disney shilling. Uh, if if, if, you, any, if if anyone stuck with us this long and made it through my entire <laughs> trifecta of Disney shilling, uh, leave a comment. Let us know because that's impressive. <laughs> it really is well i mean uh the the last thing I, i'll leave us with is uh an update on the uh quibi app um i have good news guys All right hold your breath i have opened it oh <laughs> <laughs> it's the first That's step funny. lupe it's the first oh, step honest to god since the last time we talked i have not opened the app yeah this one i was making the show notes for this i just remembered it. oh you know a, a Quibi update would be nice. I haven't. Um, and the reasons why are because one, um, even when I'm out, I throttle down my my uh, internet use because um, I don't like being on the internet uh, like so much, especially when I'm out with people. And we're at a time when we're not out with people. So I'm always home. And as I said, there's just I have other screens, you know, whether it's my laptop or it's my TV, you know, that sort of thing. So and I just haven't, you know, I just haven't reached for it. So I'll probably this week try to give it a go and force myself to watch something which <laughs> will make no sense whatsoever. Because I'll be probably at home trying to watch it on a small screen with my big screen. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to give it a shot. But um Take what you will take from what I just told you. I have not opened it and felt the need to, the urge to at all. Not even one bit. 90-day free trial, and I can't even make myself sign up, which says something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Me too. And you can, even Me on too. Twitter, on social media, like there's no buzz about any series. It's not like, no. oh, my God, you guys, like I just watched this stuff on Creepy. It's like nothing. Yeah, Zero. Yep. You know what? We might be missing something great. I just, I, I just have too, there's too much. There's too many other things I want to watch first. I just don't have the time to even think about trying to seek something out, you know, mm -hmm. unless something really grabs my attention. Yeah. And like, I, I, I mean, but even if we're missing some, someone will recommend it to us. Someone will be like, you know, you'll hear one person somewhere, you know, even if it's not one person. We got entertainment journalists. That's what they're they're there for, and they even get paid to review. It. It's nothing. It's nothing. like, yeah, yeah, crickets, yeah, crickets. Agreed. And Agreed. and that 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 breaks my heart because it's it's a very well made app. You can tell that they put a lot of money into it. There are a lot of stars on it. Like a lot of people have their hopes on this, but this is just and this that's what the streaming awards are going to be. They're going to be winners. And they're going to be losers. And when I say losers, I mean some investments yeah. and some hopes are going to crash and burn. Casualties of war, man. Absolutely. It's going to happen. There's going to be some that hopes and dreams are going to die in this. It, 
It's not going to be pretty. But <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? Once it goes bankrupt, we're going to find we're going to find some show out there that we absolutely love and we support. Yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe I can't believe we slept on this. Yeah, yep. it's always the way. Well, um, next week, I'll give you guys an update on on Queenie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah. to open it up if I have anything good to report or not. Hopefully, you guys will have some stuff to to say about Black Sales if you're able to get to it. Yeah, we have two seasons. Those are first, Lupe, but I will get to Black Sales after that. <laughs> but so that that's our episode for the day. It's been a very beefy episode, very meaty. Um, but yeah, it's been wonderful. Uh, you guys, let's say goodbye to our audience, Christian. Definitely. Uh, thanks again, guys. I know, like you said, it was a long night, but it was great. We had a lot of fun conversation. Um, we're starting to pull out of this. You just got to stick it through a little bit longer, guys. So just social distance a little while longer. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We love you all. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at the same place. It's at chart6363. And Paul. Yep. Um, again, enjoyed this again, guys. It was a long one tonight, but uh, great getting to talk to you again. Uh, talk about some some things that we enjoy. It's uh, it's a nice break from the um, from the everyday. So, um, hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. Love to hear your comments. Uh, reach out to us. Leave us a comment on YouTube or uh, reach out to us on Twitter at the Film Exiles, or you can reach me at underscore Paul underscore P. And uh, that's it for me for this week. <laughs> All right, and I have been yours truly. Lupe, you can find me on Twitter at Live Love Lupe. You can find me on Vero at Live Love Lupe as well. You can find us at The Film Exiles on Twitter. Please follow us, talk to us. Um, we talk back. And you guys, you know, stay safe out there. Uh, quarantine, social distance, you know, respect the uh, recommendations by the experts. And we wish you the best. We'll see you very very soon. Until then, stay exiled.